Blog Talk Radio. Renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? He still has the gun. The gun is pointed at me right at this moment. Take a hold of this bomb and break it if you have to. We will go on our full force. We have an explosion and we are defended immediately. Let's try our best. People calling themselves members of the Weather Underground last night planted bombs in federal office buildings in Washington and Oakland, California. They took the babies out of incubators and left the children to die on the cold floor. Survivors of the USS Liberty are demanding a congressional investigation into what happened and acknowledgement that the Israeli Air Force bombed a U.S. intelligence Navy ship. The death of bin Laden marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat al-Qaeda. The Taliban is taking responsibility for shooting down a U.S. helicopter. More than 30 people were killed, and there are reports this morning that most of them are U.S. Navy SEALs. There may be a false flag incident where some uh, ship goes down and you use for the excuse to accelerate the next war. If there's one thing that has unified Democrats and Republicans, and everybody in between, that we all hated the bank bailout. The Department of Homeland Security is apparently on a huge ammo buying spree. It comes out to like 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition. Today, it is infinitely easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. They estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill. I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson here, uh, but I guess uh, Mr. Peter Ventura is uh, no-show here tonight, so uh, I don't know. Uh, so until he shows up, or if he shows up, I don't know, uh, We'll I guess we'll spark it off with uh, something, uh, maybe uh, we'll just throw some truth out there that many people just don't want to hear, and this will really offend the liberals, so we'll go with this for a couple minutes and then uh, find out where he's at. All right, here we go. You have done a magnificent job. The visual impact that people will experience when they see what you have produced, you've been very impartial in your presentation, and you have allowed the people, the viewers, to make up their own minds. You present the evidence, and anyway, it's an honor to have you on the program. I want to say that the work that Dennis Wise has undertaken and accomplished and the value of this work cannot be underestimated at this time, but especially he has undertaken to present actual information about the most controversial period in human history. We have been given narrative that has painted a picture and an image for the world to consume. And we have to look at this and reason this is so important at this time. 
everyone to look at is we have to choose lies. Okay, that's one thing right there, just from a moral standpoint. In our time today, it is more than that just a morality. It is a matter of physical survival itself because we have to look at this period and look at exactly what happened. Which Dennis Wise has presented to us in his great accomplishment that he has put together there. The, we have to look at what happened. We had power in 1945. It was Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt. And what did they do with this power? As a gift, illustrated through his great work, the greatest story ever told. Yes, if you want to see the dangers that are facing the world today, just watch this film and you can see the actual facts, indisputable facts of what really happened at that time. AD. You'll always have shrieks of Eurocentrism, but anyone who spends any time at a university history department knows that they are obsessed with downplaying the greatness of Europeans and elevating all that is brown. Any trivial accomplishment by an Arab is ipso facto presumed to be the spark that created Europe. But what really pops out at you is that basically all invention occurred after 1500. One thing I notice is that when someone is just trying to explain matter-of-factly the history of development in a field, like geology or medicine or physics, it's always white men that they're talking about. They always start bringing up the importance of some stuff some Arab did when they're trying to battle Eurocentrism or having a unit on the importance of non-European stuff. In terms of per capita wealth, there's a similar logarithmic rise in wealth starting around 1600, according to Madison. So we have economic numbers that map on to the technological index. And so we see following the genetic changes in Europe, most concentrated in the North Sea area, you have the political reforms that ultimately led to the agricultural and then the industrial revolution, again, most concentrated in the North Sea area. So it's important to say this, virtually all invention occurred by white people after 1500. And this is not something I say out of ignorance. I'm not ignorant of China or India or Japan or algebra. And when I say that the world before 1500 was mostly stagnant with not much going on, it's not because I'm ignorant of the Roman Empire or ignorant of the Ming Dynasty or that I don't know what the Ottoman Empire was or what the Mongol Empire was. It's just that I have a little bit of perspective, and the fact is that not a whole lot happened in the Roman Empire. They fought a bunch of wars, they held a bunch of land, but otherwise very little happened in a very long period of time. Now, there's a very dangerous argument, and it's so common, it's so destructive, and it's that the European Revolution wasn't this measurable and proximate genetic change, but that it had something to do with Greece and Rome. Italy and Spain had just as much, if not more, access to the Greek and Roman ideas as England and the Netherlands and northern France did. In fact, they probably had more access. But these areas weren't the nexus of industrial revolution. In fact, the Arab world arguably preserved them when the Roman Empire got wiped off the map, and yet we didn't see any kind of industrial revolution in the Arab world or anything even beginning down those lines. And it is dangerous to elevate some sort of philosophy or some sort of set of ideas because you end up not jealously guarding the most important thing that has ever happened. 
and that is the genetic change that occurred approximately from 1000 AD to 1800 AD in Northwest Europe, radiating out from there. This is what led to the end of feudalism, the creation of the common market and of mass production, which then made mechanization economically viable in addition to creating a population genetically predisposed to invention. It may sound like some weird religious thing to say that Europeans are the light unto the world and created life as we know it, but where's the lie? Just look at the data. This isn't some conclusion you have to stretch to see. It pops right out at you. The Industrial Revolution is why your standard of living is higher than $700 a year. Life as you know it. It's not a fluke of circumstance. It's a result of a genetic change from a specific place in time. And when you say, let's abandon and disregard those genetics that created the world as you know it, and just assume that the world will continue without their supremacy, nay, you take offense when anyone questions this idea, as if it is completely self-evident that the modern world has nothing to do with the people who made it. When you do this, you threaten to do more damage than any invader, any military conqueror, any mass murderer in history has ever done, which is turn back the clock to the pre-European revolution world. All right, there you go. I think that pretty much bluntly states the facts there. Um, if anyone was willing to challenge that, uh, you're more than welcome to. Uh, I, I doubt anyone can or anyone will. But uh, I guess, uh, okay, well, I guess finally we get the uh, Mr. Ventura. He was a little bit late there, so uh, he's, he's now on. So uh, we can continue on with the uh, podcast as scheduled, the Book of Daniel then. And then he'll go on for about uh, 55 minutes or 50 minutes or so, and then we'll come back to uh, restoring our republic and understanding our republic with real solutions. So here's Dr. Peter Ventura. Go ahead, Peter. Hi, good evening. Sorry about that. Had a little trouble getting in tonight. I don't know if I lost my own listeners uh, or you not. Know, I think everybody thinks your Connecticut crew is here, so but the floor is yours. Go ahead. Hi, thank you. Uh, good evening, and welcome to Sound Doctrine. Thank you again, Joe, for the platform. We left off in uh, in uh, Daniel, and we were talking about uh, Chapter 8. We were going to start and uh, get there with you. One second. I'm really happy to be on, to be honest with you, because I was surprised that I couldn't get in. Let's have a quick prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, and I thank you for getting me through here, Lord, tonight, and I want to praise you and give you the glory, and Lord, ask you that you would bless the people that are listening, that you'd uh, uh, touch them in their hearts, and that this message tonight would open their spiritual eyes and ears and encourage them, and uh, I thank you, uh, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we left off in Daniel chapter 8. And in Daniel chapter 8, verse number 1 says, In the year of the reign of King King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And so uh, chapter 8, and this chapter is going to deal with Daniel's vision of the ram and the he-goat. And he's going to explain how Greece conquers Medo-Persia. And then we're going to, he looks beyond that historical fact to give some info about the Antichrist. And so uh, uh, you should know that from Daniel chapter 2, 4 to 7, 8, Daniel's writing has been in Aramaic. And from 8, 1 to 12, 13, we're going to find that Daniel's writings were in Hebrew. And so 
uh, verse number two says, And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass, when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is the, in the providence of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river Uliah. Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up at last. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will, and he became great. And as I considered, behold, a hiko came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes, and he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran on to him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler against him, and smote the ram, and brake the two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, for it came up from it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a for, forth a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great towards the south and towards the east and towards the pleasant land. And it was waxed great even to the host of heaven. And it, cat, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and, and cast down the truth to the ground where it practiced and prospered. And so we find here in chapter 8, verse number 1, Scripture says, And the third, in the third year, the reign of Belshazzar, Daniel has this vision. Now, Daniel gives the timeline of the vision. It's two years has gone by. Two years have elapsed since Daniel chapter 7, verse number 1. And this vision in Daniel 8, 1 takes place approximately 553 B.C. That's right before the fall of the Babylonian Empire. And Belshazzar, remember, he's co-regent with his father, Nabonidus. And this happens just before Babylon falls, here in chapter 8, okay? And so Babylon, it hasn't fallen yet, but Daniel's going to tell you how. And from, you know, chapters 5, 25 to 28, you know, we saw the fall of the Babylonian Empire to the media of Persia. But by 8-1, it's not really yet happened. Okay, and so we saw those visions. Now, in verse 2, he says, when I saw, I was at Shushan in the palace, you see. And Daniel, he's transported in this vision spiritually to Shushan, which ultimately becomes the capital, by the way, of Persia. It's also known as Susa, Susa. And uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king there. And in Esther chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, we see it's in the providence of, that happens in the providence of Elam, which is a region of the northeast side of the Persian Gulf. And, and so uh, we see that the western boundary is the Tigris River. 
and I hope that gives you some kind of geography uh, for it. But north into Media would be uh, east into Persia. So Shushan's 230 miles east of Babylon, 120 miles north of the Persian Gulf, and the River Ulai, a river that runs through the province of Elam. You know, remember, historically, there's a, a lot of things, uh, uh, um, well, a lot of places that don't exist anymore, territories, lands, uh, countries uh, that existed at one time that don't exist right now in history. Uh, you have to go back to history just to find them. You know, if I told you about Iconium or, or Mesopotamia, or and you would say, wow, you know, where are these places? You see, so I'm trying to give you a description that Shushan's 230 miles east of Babylon, and that's 120 miles north of the Persian Gulf, okay? And so uh, verse number three said, uh, a ram he's talking about. He says, then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. And that ram is the media Persian empire, fires. It expires in Daniel 8, verse 20. Because in Daniel 8, verse 20, we read, The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media Persia. You see? And so that we're going to get to the definition of this whole thing. But the two horns represent the kings, Darius, or Darius, and Cyrus. And the higher horn represents the Persian Empire. And it's the greater of the two kingdoms. Remember Daniel 5.31, when Babylon's destroyed and Cyrus takes over, right? He's the king of Persia and he takes control. And then Daniel chapter 6, verse 28, Darius rules first, right? And then Daniel gets in the lion's den under Darius and then Cyrus. And, you know, you can go to uh, Ezra. You don't have to go there right now. But if you uh, looked at Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, you see, and it's about 536 B.C. And, and that captivity is coming to a conclusion for Israel. Verse number 4 says, I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. But he did according to his will, and he became great. All right? So this, this ram, you know, the expansion he's talking about of this Persian empire, and it's in the east and west towards Syria and north toward uh, Armenia and southward toward Egypt. You know, Marcellinus, Marcellinus, the 4th century historian, says the Persian ruler bore the head of a ram before his army. How about that? After 8, verse number 5, we read, And as I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. You see, a he-goat. A uh, he goat. Well, if you look at verse 21 of chapter 8, you find out that, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king, the king of Grecia, and that was Alexander the Great. Now, remember, history hadn't occurred yet. Alexander the Great hadn't conquered yet, yet Daniel's having this vision way back there in, in 500 and something's B.C., Okay, and and so uh, we have to understand that this is looking forward, and he's telling the future here. 
553 B.C. of a coming of the Grecian king named Alexander, all right? And, and Alexander became the ruler of Macedonia when he was only 16 years old. You know, he, by the time he was 18, Alexander the Great was a victorious general. He was a king at age 20. And in 12 years, history teaches us that he conquered the whole world and never lost a battle. The only thing that stopped Alexander from going further east was his armies, you know, they didn't want to go any farther. And by the way, as great as he was, tragedy. He dies a drunkard. He dies a drunkard, you know, before the age of 33. But it says that this he-goat, in verse number five, and as I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn, between his eyes it touched not the ground so that goat was coming that he goat which is grecia and and greece and alexander the great's coming touched not the ground it just means that he he was conquering big movement and that's how alexander the great's conquest was it was a, a rapid conquest now verses six and seven of chapter eight says and he came to the ram that had two horns which i had seen standing before the river and ran onto him in the fury of his power. In verse number seven, and I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Choler means anger, wrath, okay, with, with uh, intimate hot passion and and at at one time greece was invaded by persia you see and the persians had this hatred towards the uh and so uh the uh persian empire it started with uh you you're talking about what josephus says here and josephus says alexander was he was making way from from the west to the east and he was conquering the persians and, and he was met outside of jerusalem by Huda, Hudea. He was the high priest of the nation of Israel. And he meets Alexander, and this high priest of Israel is dressed in full priestly garments. And, and, and the priest showed Alexander out of the book of Daniel just what you and I read, and how Alexander would be victorious over the Persians. 225 years it was written before it actually took place. And it was read to Alexander the Great. And it said when Alexander the Great heard that, he fell down and he worshipped the high priest. And he was very kind to the Jews because of that. And so verse 8 says, Therefore the he-goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Four notable horns came up. And so uh, if you'll notice with me that uh, when Alexander died, there was one appointed as a successor. And ultimately, four of Alexander's generals divided up the empire, just like verse 8 said. And there were four kingdoms which came out of that one empire of Alexander the Great. And so they divided his land, his generals did. One's name was Cassander. And he ruled over Macedonia and Greece. The second general, 
Lysimachus. He ruled Thrace, Bithynia, and most of Asia Minor. Seleucus, he ruled Syria and the lands toward the east, including Babylon. And Ptolemy ruled Egypt, Palestine, and into Arabia. And you see, the key kingdoms that these men ruled over were Cassander was Greece, Lysimachus was Asia Minor, Seleucus was Syria, and Ptolemy Egypt. And so when the Antichrist comes along, he's going to come from one of these kingdoms. And he's going to come from the Confederate States of the European or the revived Roman Empire. But we'll, we'll have the same connection to Syria. And so the Antichrist, you know, as we said before, uh, if you looked at Judas Iscariot, he's the man from Is, is, is man, and from Kerioth, Kerioth, the man from Kerioth, or Moab of Syria, okay? So let's look at verse number nine before we get into Judas Iscariot because that's a whole lesson on its own. Uh, Judas Iscariot, uh, Jesus said, was a devil. He didn't say he was like a devil. He says he is a devil. And when you read in the act, book of Acts, when they were selecting an apostle to take his place, it, the scriptures say that he went to his own place. Okay, now, you know where he's the devil, and he has a place. You know what that place is. All right, verse number 9 in the book of Daniel, chapter 8. And out, of the, and out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great towards the south and towards the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And so this little horn, all right, out of Alexandria's divided four kingdom, it arises. The first horn in, is the Antichrist in chapter 7, verse 8. Remember, we, we had that. Let me go back for you. Chapter 7, and I considered the horns, and behold, there came up that among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great swelling Things. And we read that back in chapter 7 of the Antichrist. All right? So this little horn in chapter 8, verse number 9, it's not Antichrist, but he acts like and is a certain type of the Antichrist, which is to come. This little horn was a person by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a wicked ruler out of the kingdoms of Syria. And it says he waxed, he increased in size. And the truth is, the history records that Antiochus' conquest led him south into Egypt, east into Persia, you see, and then toward the pleasant land, Israel. Webster's Dictionary says Israel, you know, he, he's coming out of Syria. Now, and I'm not talking about a Webster's Dictionary, uh, uh, you know, modern version. We're talking about the 1828 no Webster Dictionary where marriage is defined as between a man and a woman in fidelity. Not, you know, your children, your children are using dictionaries whether you know it or not. And uh, these modern dictionaries, and when you open them up and you read marriage, it says it's a union between two people. All right? And so that fits the modern definition of, you know, homosexuality, you know, the, uh, the alphabet people. Uh, man marrying a man, woman a woman. Well, 
well, you're, you need to get your child to spend the $50 and get your child a Noah Webster 1828 dictionary. And it's based, you'll find that there's scriptural references to every word and to every, ver- every definition. It says marriage is a union between a man and a woman in fidelity. You know, children ought to know these things. The Bible says train them up in these things. You see, trains run on tracks. We raise animals. Now, verse number 10. 810, and it waxed great, even to the hosts of heaven, and it cast down some of the hosts of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Now, we're going beyond Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, the host of the stars, you see, let's, let's find the definition. See, this Bible defines itself. It's not a complicated book. It is if you don't have the spirit of God and you're unsaved. If you're an unsaved man to you, this book is just a great novel. But to a man who has the Holy Spirit that guides and leads him into all truth, you see, the book is a spiritual book. Talking about, he says in verse 10, the host and of the stars. Well, Revelation 1.16 says, and he had in his right hand, talking about Jesus, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Okay? And then look at verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So here's another place you should go. So the stars can represent angels. Angels. Isaiah chapter 14. You know, people read the book of Revelation. They say, oh, well, it says stars are going to fall on the earth and from heaven. And, and the earth would, in science, says, oh, this can't be. The earth would be all burned up. Everybody would die. You know, well, that's not the stars they're talking about, okay? They're talking about angels. And you say, well, what do you mean? Listen, you got stars walking around Los Angeles, don't you? Come on, cut it out. Hollywood. Isaiah 14. Verses 12 and 13 says, For thou hast said in thine heart, this is the devil, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation of the north. Are you with me? Look at verse. And, and so here you have, you know, that's he's, he's higher than the angels. In verse 15, listen, he says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit, and he's talking about Lucifer. Now, you get up to Isaiah in this chapter. Look at verse 12. Back up. O Lucifer, son of the morning. Now, son of the morning. You know all these modern Bibles, um, uh, 80 to 95% of them, have changed that verse that's called, says, How art thou cast from heaven, O morning star? It says, O morning star. Well, the King James clearly says that it's, Look it. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? It says it's Lucifer, not the morning star. You know what Jesus Christ says? Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angels to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So if Jesus is a bright and morning star, what are you doing with those Bibles? My goodness, it says clearly Jesus is the bright and morning star. 
If you have a Bible and Isaiah 14, 12 says, oh, morning star, then you've got Jesus getting thrown out of heaven in your Bible. Lord have mercy. Just, oh, well, they're easier to read. Listen, my friend, that King James authorized version of the Bible was written in a fourth grade level. Go back to kindergarten then, if you can't read fourth grade English. Oh, but the these and the thou's are so hard to understand, really? You've been singing it in church, but thine is the kingdom, thou art the Lord. Cut that out. The devil's got you fooled. Verse number 10 says that in Daniel 8, 10, all right, this is the conflict. And it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground, and the individual is victorious, it appears, over angels. All right? And this war that he's talking about is a future war. Please, go with me to Revelation chapter 12. And one thing you should know about Scripture and understanding prophetical passages, sometimes a prophetical passage will have an immediate application, and sometimes it'll have a future application. Okay? And this, Satan got cast out of heaven for that fall in the garden. But there's coming a time when he's going to get cast out again. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. All right? And, and so what, what Daniel's telling you here, he's going, he's giving you the history of Alexander the Great, the Grecians coming in, how that kingdom broke up uh, and, and went into his four generals took over and took the territory that Alexander the Great had conquered. And now he's gone beyond this. And he's brought us to Antiochus Epiphany, who's a type of Antichrist. And he brings us all the way to the future. And that's future, Isaiah 14. Okay? There's war. And so it hasn't, this war, that is, as Daniel speaks of, has not happened yet. It's in heaven. Chapter 8 of Daniel, verses 11 and 12. And I will punish. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in Isaiah. <laughs> How about that? Let me get over there with you. Daniel chapter 8, we're going to verses 11 and 12. The scripture says, Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down, and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of the transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered, okay? The, the prince of the host is Jesus Christ, the prince of the host. And, and uh, you see, he exalts himself against the Lord. When you look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, you see, the Messiah, the Prince. So here you have in verse 11 and 12, going back and let's read it one more time. We're talking about this 
this this yay yay antichrist he magnified himself even to the prince of the host and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away okay and so right there you're in the tribulation and daniel's describing the tribulation in verse number 12 because remember during the tribulation the temple's rebuilt in jerusalem and the daily sacrifice is going to go on and so uh you you see remember when the tribulation occurs we have the rapture and the christian church is gone saved body of christ and then the tribulation begins and the antichrist shows as a man of peace for the first three and a half years well praise jesus <laughs> all right but then in the middle of that tribulation he goes in there and he sets up his own uh idol in the temple you see if you studied about Antiochus Epiphany, and I'm going to give you some background on it, and, and you're going to see uh, how he typified the Antichrist in history. But uh, right in the middle of the trip. Okay, so remember, if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, and Hebrews, you know, chapter 10, verse 11, is written who? Hebrews 10, verse 11. Scripture says, and every priest standeth daily ministering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. See, and remember, we've gone, you know, when you're reading Hebrews, we're, we're really in a transitional book. You're going from, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, same thing with the book of Acts. You're going from law to grace. And the book of Hebrews was to show the Jews that Jesus is better. And in Hebrews 10, 11, there's not been a daily sacrifice since 70 AD. And so right now, you know, the mosque of Oman sitting on the Temple Mount, the same place where Abraham offered Isaiah and David purchased the threshing floor of Aruna. Because of the mosque on the Mount, there's no temple. But prior to or after the rapture, the temple's going to be built and the daily sacrifices are going to continue. And you can find that, and this is why we're going to tie in Revelation chapter 11 when we get to Daniel's 70th week in, in uh, chapter 9. When we get there, we're going to tie that in. And you're going to understand Matthew, Daniel, and the book of Revelation and how all of them tie together. And the timeline, right right to the day, the timeline as to the tribulation period. In Revelation chapter 11, Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 says this, And it was given me a, rod, a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Well, at a 360-day year, 40 and two months is three and a half years, okay? And so that's the middle of the tribulation when, when you get that 42 months. And we're going to explain that whole thing and how to, how to get there and those numbers. But we have, to, we have to follow Daniel's visions here, and we are. Verse 12 says, and it practiced and prospered. Notice that? And the host was given him against their daily, the daily sacrifice, by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered 
You see, that's the Antichrist. And he stops the sacrifice from taking place in the temple. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24. When you see the desolation of abomination spoken of by Daniel, talking about going from Assyrian, Assyrian from Syria. And so in 175 B.C., you know, begins to reign until, you know, we're talking about, and I want you to get this. This is Antiochus Epiphany. And you can you can study this historically, all right? And he he uh, man he, he he's a type, perfect type of the Antichrist, typifies him, prefigures him, but he's a Syrian from Syria, and he's, he comes in at 175 B.C. and he begins to reign until 164 B.C. He began a military campaign and he invaded Egypt, Palestine, okay, also. Israel. He attacks Jerusalem, thousand Jews in three days. He sold into slavery about 40,000 more Jews. He began his act, evil actions, all right, in regard to the temple on September 6th, 171 BC. On December 15th, 168 BC, about three and a half years later, he sacrifices a pig, all right, on an idol altar that he made in the Jewish temple. He took the Jewish priests that were there, and he made them swallow the swine and made broth and sprinkled their entire temple with the broth of the blood. And he carried off the golden candlestick, the table of shewbread, the altar of incense, and some other items. And he destroyed the sacred books of the law. And then he took a large image of Jupiter and he put it in the Holy of Holies. And throughout Israel, altars of Jupiter were set up. And the Jews were forced to sacrifice on these altars. And all these things are called an abomination of desolation. Prophetically, all these things look forward to the son of perdition who's going to do the same thing, okay? Verse 13. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto the certain saint which spake, how long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? How long shall be the vision? concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation. Well, let's look at some verses. Look at Daniel 9, verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. It's just seven years. And I'll give you that, how you come to that conclusion of seven years for that one week. And in the midst of the week, right, seven, three and a half is half of seven, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of the abomination, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that's determined, shall be poured out upon the desolate. Daniel chapter 12, verse number 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that make it desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Okay, now we're not going to get into these numbers yet, 
okay? But we're going to break it down. Now, I want you to go, when we get to Daniel chapter 9, now I want you to go with me to Matthew 24. I want you to see how all these things place and how this is prophetical. And so you get to Matthew chapter 24, and you'll find the Lord speaking. Okay, and the reason why I'm bringing you this here is I want you to understand the context of what Daniel's saying. Okay, so you can understand Matthew 24, and then you can understand Revelation, because we're going to go there in a minute too. But look at Matthew 24, 14 to 15. Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Okay, there's Jesus telling the Jews. Now listen, this is Jewish in context. There isn't a Christian in town. Christ has not gone to the cross yet. Rightly divide the word of God. I say it in every program. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Okay? The, the reason why people don't know the word of God is because, number one, they're too busy. All right? It's, you have to study it. You just can't go to the Internet and pull out a piece from something that somebody wrote. You need to study the scriptures. And when you know the scriptures, you will know the power of God. Amen? Now, so Matthew 24 talks about that abomination of desolation. Then we get over to 2 Thessalonians. We're all talking about the same thing here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no man deceive you by any means. Talking about the rapture now. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed. There it is, the man of peace, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple, shewing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. You see, it's the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of godliness is God manifested in the flesh. And the mystery of iniquity is Satan manifested in the flesh. Okay, go to Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true? Does thou not just and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? All right? And these are Jewish saints, and they are tribulation saints, and they're, they're under the altar, it shows you, and they've been sacrificed. They've been, they've been killed. Christ. Now, historically, when Antiochus Epiphanes was forcing the, the the Jews to worship Jupiter, there was a Jewish priest named Mattathias. And he was from the house of Hasmon. And he lived in a town named Modiah, about 17 miles from Jerusalem. And he and his five sons, they refused to worship Antiochus's idol. And also, they killed the king's religious ambassadors, all right, and they began a revolt among the Jews. And one of the sons, his name was Judas, known as Maccabee. 
which means the hammer. And for the next two years, Judas led an army against the Syrians. And they're exploited. You know, their exploits are spoken about in the apocryphal books, which were not considered canonical books of the Bible. But they're good for historical readings, 1 and 2 Maccabees. Now, on December 25th, huh, there's a date somebody ought to say what? On December 25th in the year 165 B.C., the temple was cleansed and rededicated. And the dedication was called by the Jews the Feast of Dedication. And you could read about that in John chapter 10, verse 22. See how these things all come together? And then it gives you a better understanding of what this Feast of Dedication was. You see, in John 10, 22, well, that's where it came from. It came from the restoration after the, after the Maccabean Rebellion. John 10, 22 says, and it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. So the time period from September 6, 171 B.C., when Antiochus began his campaign, campaign until December 25, 168 B.C., is supposed to be this 2,300-day uh, period. And it's what most commentary, you know, commentaries hold. All right, but Antiochus dies in 164 B.C. after being defeated in Babylon fighting against the Persians. And he left his occupational army in Jerusalem, you know, and he headed east. Now, his name was Antiochus, and he gave himself the name Epiphanes. You see, an Epiphanes is an appearance or a manifestation of a deity. And so uh, the Feast of the Three Kings, when the three kings find Jesus, Jesus is dedicated by the Roman Catholics as the Feast of Epiphanies. Thus Antiochus is saying, I'm God. Now I want you to note something about his, some history. In, in the 19th century, William Miller, and from Will, William Miller came the seven-day Adventist. He was not a seven-day Adventist, but that's where they came from. And William Miller concluded that the Lord was coming back on March 21st, 1844. And he read Daniel 9.25, and he applied the going forth to rebuild the temple, starting with the date in Ezra. And Ezra comes out of, you know, from Persia. And then he read Daniel 8, which we read, 13, 14, and the 2300 days. So he figured from Ezra 7, 2300 days and counting the days as in Daniel as years, that got him to 1843. But he changed it to 1844. And the Millerites, who were people that followed Miller, because they were wrong, instead of just admitting it, they said, well, that was the day of the cleansing of the sanctuary. So on March 21st, 1844, Jesus moved into the heavenly tabernacle and started cleansing the heavenly tabernacle. You see? And and that's wrong. And that's where the they came. In fact, the Millerites were standing on their roofs. They had given away all their stuff. They're waiting for this appearance of Christ. They're standing on rooftops in white robes. You know, Jesus never told us of the time of the rapture, okay? He said, you know the seasons. And I assure you, folks, 
we're, we're in those, getting close to those seasons. If Matthew 24 is dealing with the Jews, which it is, because it says the Sabbath day, and, and if Matthew 24 is dealing with the Jews, and now we're talking about a, a tribulation, the abomination of desolation that we're studying about here, then those things that you're reading in Matthew 24 are shadow. If you're ever standing in your yard and, and a cloud is above you, and yet it's not, the cloud is covering, but it's not covering the whole sky. It's just bringing a shadow on you. Well, that's where we are, Grace, in this church age to that tribulation. Those things of Matthew 24 are, are shadowing us now. We're getting closer, okay? But we're not going to experience those things. Uh, we, we are, we're, getting, we're not in the tribulation. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about that tribulation in Daniel chapter 9 and how it's divided into uh, two, three and a half years or 42 months periods and a 1260, uh, 1260 days. So bring a pencil and bring a piece of paper because Daniel's 70 week of years, seven years equals 2,520 days. That's 1,260 plus 1,260, which equals 2,520 days. And Matthew twenty four twenty one talking about the great tribulation. Well, he says that there has been. Look at Matthew twenty four. We got to get off the air here. I'm on my brother's time, and and I don't want to disrespect him. We're getting there. In Matthew twenty four twenty one, notice something. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be, all right? The great tribulation, that's the second half of the tribulation. There'll be great tribulation. Why? Because the first half, there's peace, but the second half, the Antichrist goes in there and says, hey, you know, I'm God, you're going to worship me, just like Antiochus Epiphany did. And he sets up an idol, okay, in there. And he says, you're going to worship that idol, all right? So, and, and so we're going to study that out. And we're going to study that uh, about that great uh, trip and the days that are shortened. And I'm going to give you some numbers. So bring a bring a pencil with you. You know, I, I'll leave you with this thought. Jesus said that you're to forgive your brother. Remember, the disciples said, "How many times should I forgive?" And he said, uh, 70 times seven." Well, Jesus wasn't say, just saying you should always forgive him. He's saying seventy times seven. That's significant to a Jew. Seventy times seven is 490 years. That's Daniel's 70th week. When you get to 70 weeks, it's 490 years. And when you study out, sir, uh, uh, the coming prince that was written, he, he took the astrological or astronomical charts and from that, he was able to discern that in exactly 483 years, Jesus Christ came through Jerusalem on the donkey. 483 years. And so you have seven years of tribulation to come through after that. All right? But the Jews don't accept their Messiah. And because they don't accept their Messiah, God inserts this age of grace. And your job as a Christian is to provoke the Jew to salvation in Christ Jesus. They were given the oracles of God to mankind. To the world and in so failing to do that and failing to recognize their own messiah then god has inserted this church age i have four minutes and so i want to take you to two verses very quickly 
Okay. Uh, if you'll go with me to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. And Luke 4 8. Getting there with you. All right, excuse me, Luke four eighteen. Okay. I want you to this is Jesus. Now notice in uh Luke four seventeen. It says, And it was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Okay? Now, look what he said in verse 21. Today is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. See, this idea that only in the original manuscripts are they inspired, everything else is not. Jesus didn't have an original Isaiah, number one. He read from the scriptures. And he said he had the scriptures in his hand. All right? He didn't have an original. So that's a fallacy. Now, what I want you to see is this. Notice that in Isaiah 61, what Jesus is quoting is verse number one of Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. That's good news. Unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, listen, Isaiah said, in the day of vengeance and to comfort all that mourn. But Jesus doesn't quote that when he says that he's here. He said to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. But he stops. Why? Because he knows that they're not Jews are not going to receive Christ. Otherwise, look at the next part of Isaiah 61, 2. And the day of vengeance, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Well, the day of vengeance is tribulation. The great trib. And so what you have between that comma, see that little comma right there, between to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord comma, and the day of vengeance, you have approximately 2,000 years between that comma. See, there's nothing in this book that is not supposed to be in this book. There are no errors. There are no mistakes. There are no contradictions. Jesus stopped there because he knew in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Well, we're going to conclude there. When we come back, we're going to talk about Daniel's tribulation, and I'm going to give you some numbers uh, before we get in, into there, into the ninth. And we'll talk about some similarities between Antichrist and Antiochus, maybe. And we're going to get moving. I want to get up to chapter nine. I want you to get familiar with that. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Uh, we thank Joseph Gibson for allowing us to have this time, Lord, that you would just bless him. 
and uh, for giving us this time to use his platform. And, Father God, that you would bless those who, who came tonight and heard the word of God, those that will archive this, and that they would grow in Christ Jesus and they would understand how the whole word of God is one book. Jesus said, lo, in the volume of the book it's written of me. It's all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. And we just thank you, ask you to protect those that are listening, Lord. Put a hedge about them and bless their week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Amen. Okay. All right. Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Press number one. If anyone wants to uh, have a discussion or talk tonight, uh, if you got something you want to talk about other than uh, it, whatever you want to talk about, of course. But we we're restoring the Republican in the beginning of the podcast here. I played about a seven-minute uh, intro there about the uh, you know it was very interesting today in today's times. So we're going to talk about today's times right now. Is that well, we can go a little bit back in history. There's 1500 where he, the comments were made in the video that really nothing was really ever invented in, until the industrial age, and then things started taking off. Technology started taking off because if you look at all the history before that, and I know I talked to Peter a lot, we joke around about it, but where we have discussions about it, uh, you know, they were walking around with sandals 2,000 years ago. They didn't have all this technology that we have today. Technology obviously sped up at, at what period of time? right after about the 5th century, okay? And and today, most we see the anti-white movement out there. If you're, We see it on TV. We see the white guys made fun of in the commercials. Uh, the white male is a joke, weak. Um, and, and why is that? What is happening today? Why is the European male being dominated like that throughout the media and being made fun of? And it, it's true. You can't deny it. You look at the commercials, you look at the television shows, and compare them to shows of 30 or 40 years ago. You see it. You can't deny it. And if you do, you're ignorant, and you, and you're just and you're not and you're just not you know willing to uh, speak the truth, and or or learn the truth. Now I'm not trying to say in, in the video and all the videos I I play, we never you know tear anybody else apart. Everyone is I believe everyone should be treated equal and judged by the content of their character. But why is this? But why is the world doing this? Why is the world doing this? So, you know, we're seeing that. So that's very important, something that I wanted to bring up. So uh, we've got a private caller here. We'll take a private caller. Go ahead, private caller. Okay, Joe, you and I have talked about this many times. We know why it is being done. They're not specifically well, yeah. <laughs> after the white man. Certainly... The white male is important to be denigrated in order to do what their ultimate objective is. Because, after all, what the ultimate goal of what they're trying to do is going to affect me, and I'm not a white male. What they're after yep. is the destruction of the Western civilization that the white male was largely responsible for creating. And that, in particular, that aspect of Western civilization that is founded on, one, the scientific method – Two, the notion of individual liberty. Three, the notion of scientific inquiry. Four, the, uh, the, the idea of epistemology, finding out what is true, what is accurately true, objectively true, and any number of things that the collectivists and the Marxists and the radicals want to get rid of. The white male is yeah. the bulwark standing against that more so than any other single group of human beings. It's just that simple. But, yeah. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. But what threat is it to if 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 we if we are Christians, Bible believing Christians just say, like for instance, we know that's what this country was founded upon. 
uh, you know, uh, the, the, you know, believing in God, the Constitution. If you do, if we don't believe in God, the Constitution is inadequate for. That's what uh, Jefferson or or Adams said. I forgot, I don't know which one. Uh, you know, it doesn't work for any other type of system of people or government if they are not religious or believe in God any type of way. So uh, we know we're supposed to believe in God and our Creator and give and give homage to God and respect God and, and you know. But you can believe anything, believe any which way you so want or you so choose. But, and you're free to do so, but we have that conflict in America now, you know, because people say, well, I don't want to believe in God. I get to, like, look, we have a congresswoman that is uh, a Muslim. How could we have that? It's a conflict. You know, that's what I'm trying to get at here. It's a conflict, and it's tearing the, the, the wheels of justice or the scales of justice or, the, or freedom. It doesn't work, Sarge. You know, it doesn't work at all. Why? You know, I mean, how can we allow this to happen? Have a Muslim in there, but but you have a right to though, according to our constitution. But but Joe, we have people that don't want a society that is founded on transcendent objective truth and liberty and freedom of speech and all of the other things that Western civilization has led us to today. They don't want that. They want totalitarianism. They want collectivism. They want control. And oddly enough, what's amazing for many of the useful idiots that don't seem to realize it, the very licentiousness and degeneracy that many of them advocate are among the first things that will be stamped out when they, uh, when they enforce their notion of socialist discipline like you see in communist China. You don't see any public expressions of lesbianism and transgenderism there, do you? There's a billion no. people in China. You don't see no, any no, of that publicly. And there's a reason no. for it, because we'll not allow it. But we're poisoning ourselves then. That's what I'm saying. We have to allow it because our Constitution allows a free society to do this. But it's kind of like taking poison. It's like, it's like me shooting you in the head and then giving you a Band-Aid. You know, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know? But, Joe, I mean, these on. people, like I'm thinking about, Joe, did you hear what I just called them? They're useful yeah. idiots. One yeah, thing about communists and Muslims, and they're very good at doing, is identifying those um, lumpen proletariats that can be useful to their cause. Even though Karl yeah, Marx yeah. himself said, I see some callers. I, I, I see other callers. I see you. Upon. Yeah. I'm so sorry, this is, look, if they can use them for their temporary gain, that's what they're going to do. They will either wipe them out or suppress them when and if they come to power. All right, I don't want to make anybody wait. So, uh, to, to, uh, to two private callers and uh, two, three, four. Let's get two, three, four on first. Go ahead. Hi, Joseph. How are you? This is Lauren. Lauren. Okay. How you doing? Well, uh, I'm a little upset. I mean, um, I'm listening to the show here, and I'm agreeing with a lot of it. I want to talk about how you know the liberal woke and these communists are really ruining Christmas and the celebration of Christmas. Well, sure. That's going to be coming around. That subject's going to be coming around, obviously. Uh, you can't talk about Christmas. You can't say Merry Christmas anymore as a store greeter at Walmart or you'll get fired, right? you got to say Happy Holidays, right? Because we don't want to offend anybody. You know, I'm literally at a – well, I call it a so-called Christmas pageant right now with my friend. And the kids aren't singing about Jesus. 
Okay, they're not talking about Mother Mary, any of that. They're just they're talking about Santa Claus. That's that's about as close as we can get now. Just the Santa Claus nonsense. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Santa Claus. What is Santa Claus? Uh, you know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was at a dinner table once, and uh, I I started talking about how there was no such thing as Santa Claus, and they, they all got mad at me because, uh, you know, the parents, you know, they, they, there were kids there. And you're ruining Christmas for the kids. I mean, well, you know, you, I really don't – should I lie? I'm supposed to lie, uh, you know, and say, yeah, there's a man that comes down the chimney and brings presents to everybody, you know, that makes everybody feel good. I mean, you know, okay, I mean, that's your, I mean, it's not my job to teach your kids, I guess, but, you know, I was there having a conversation, and that just came up, you know, but now I'm the mean man, I'm the bad guy, I guess, you know, so, I mean, well, I don't, am I wrong these for are that? The same, these are the same people that if you said, oh, there is someone that died for your sins, all of a sudden, oh, that's make-believe, that's, you know, yep. that's, you can't say <laughs> that. Point. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point, actually. Thank you. Yeah. If someone you died for price, your sins yeah, it wasn't it, it, someone died for your sins and it wasn't Frosty the flipping snowman, okay? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I I'm I'm, sorry, I'm gonna use that argument. That's a good one actually. That's good. I like that. <laughs> you could talk about the country's going, going to hell <laughs> the country's going to hell in a handbasket. And I think what's happening is we've lost our moral compass. Well uh, yeah. Hey Joe. Hey, Joe, yes. let me tell you a few fairy tales that leftist radicals and progressives believe in. Uh, slavery is freedom. War is peace. Abortion is choice. See, these are all fairy tales, and they regularly repeat. You know, climate change, climate change is real and it's caused by mankind activity. These are all fairy tales they regularly repeat. They have their own set of fairy tales. They have their own set of sacraments. They have a new form of liturgy. It is their new religion. It is the state. It is all these civilists. Yeah. They throw in our faces every day. Yeah. You know, our, yeah. our strength is diversity just in and of itself. Diversity is a strength. Don't, don't dare disbelieve it. No matter what kind of disruptions you get with the diversity, like, you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. or, with, with, with and, and unchecked illegal alien immigration on the southern border, with a sudden influx of Muslim radicals in the country, we're literally going <laughs> onto our government properties in the face. All these fairy tales, they regularly repeat to us and demand that we believe. Nobody believes yeah. in more fairy tales than the radical left. Nobody. Yeah. And we need to start calling them out for it. Yeah, go ahead, call you know what's so ahead. funny? Because I'm here, I'm here at the pageant, and someone just said, Jesus, get off your phone. And you know what? That's the first time I've heard Jesus all night. So why don't you mind your business and don't mind what I'm doing right here? That's what they like to do, to silence people. You might get you might get thrown out and arrested, though. You might get arrested and thrown out, so I'd be careful. Man, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll tell you, man, these people, these, these cultural Marxists have done such a thorough job with their notion of critical theory. And you know what critical theory is? It's just criticizing everything, everything that they disagree with and which to subvert. And they've done such yeah. a thorough job of it that there's almost nothing that comes up in public discourse that does not relate to this theory of critical theory. Critical race theory, critical theory, critical economic theory, critical this, critical that. I mean, it's in yeah. everything. I mean, you, I mean yeah. and like I said, and the one thing, the one thing that, 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 that must always be questioned, always, 
is the notion of objective truth, because there is no truth. There's your truth. There's my truth. There's racial truth. There's the truth of white supremacy. There's, you know, there's, yep. there's no objective truth that cannot be allowed to stand, ever. Well, look, there's, 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 you know, look, I, uh, I, I get the, the was it, Peter, you want to say something? I don't know if he tried to get in there or not. I thought I heard him. Yeah. I don't know if he same did or, thing, Go ahead, same, Peter. Uh, yeah, same thing you and I have spoken about, and, and uh, I'm glad to hear our friend in there. Same thing you and I have spoken about and, uh, over time in the last couple of weeks. If you, the idea is to get rid of truth, the only standard of truth is the Bible. It's back to the Bible or back to the jungle. Okay, and so the only standard of truth was the Bible. So over time, Satan's a progressive, and over time they get you away from the Bible to get rid of the Bible, to get the scriptures out, to get it out of schools, to get it out of out of uh, government, and get rid of the yeah. Bible. When you get rid of the standard, yeah. then you have no standard of truth, and when you have no standard of truth, then everybody makes their own truth. Whatever a man could say, I'm a woman, and that's his truth. That's my truth. Yeah, okay? yeah. We're really dangerous. We're a Christian country, um, and I think it's okay to act like it. And I'd like to know what yeah. happened to family values. I'd like to know that. Well, I could tell you. Yes. I I could tell you. You know, Go ahead, the, Peter, the, the the gods have come to America. The the these spirits that were ruling in the ancient world, who were remember all those pagan religions. Where like Ephesus, where they had Diana, Ishtar, all those pagan religions were when we went westward and Western civilization was Christianized, you know, Jupiter, Venus, uh, uh, all the Grecian mythologicals, all these people, they, they, those gods had no more power anymore over the people because they were westernized to Christianity. And now the idea is you can watch as it's slowly, those spirits are slowly taking control of Western civilization. They've gotten, you know, the gods of Baal, the prosperity god, the gods of sexuality, lust, you know, lust, the 60s revolution, oh, yeah. the sexual revolution. Well, I want Peter, and I want you, I want you guys to, I, well, I, you finish, I want you guys to, uh, it's about a minute long here. It's a newscast that I caught right here. This, I want to know what you guys think about this. This is so dangerous right here, but this is about a minute long. This was on 6 o'clock news. Let me play this. About, it's 59 seconds long. These siblings are furious. Their brother, who police say was an armed robber, was gunned down by a store clerk. The pair acknowledges that he was wrong for Roosevelt Brackley to try and rob the Dollar General on North Gettysburg Avenue, but they say the clerk shouldn't have had a gun at work. Rochelle and Juan Bradley say their younger brother, Roosevelt Bradley, was the second of ten siblings killed by gunfire. I still believe it. At the end of the day, I don't believe my brother is dead. And they're furious about how it happened. At the end of the day, that's not what. Police say a Dollar General clerk shot and killed 23-year-old Roosevelt, who showed a gun and demanded cash Wednesday. Witnesses indicated that the weapon was pointed at the employees. The siblings recognize their brother's wrongdoing. It's our sole responsibility, but not all. But they say that still doesn't warrant the clerk's actions. Right and wrong is wrong. That was wrong for that clerk to shoot my brother in the chest. Yes, he's robbed y'all. Oh well. How about that, huh? Wow. Joe, they're, Joe they're Biden's America. Yeah. Joe Biden's America <laughs> sounds great. 
Yeah. See that you can't defend yourself when you're being robbed. That's wrong. That's wrong. He didn't have no right to shoot my brother. He was only robbing the guy. <laughs> That's right. There you go. There you go. There you go. Oh man, it's like the same thing like when Officer Wilson shot uh, uh, um, Mike Brown there in Ferguson. You know, why didn't they just shoot him in the leg or something? You know, just like, <laughs> yeah, 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 shoot him in the leg. Oh, no. Harrison, go lock him up in the dungeon. 
We got to worry about the Yo. military propaganda. You know, go ahead, go ahead. Joe, wait, do you, wait, you want to hear this? You want to hear the kicker in this? So I'm at the pageant here. You know what they just wheeled out in the goddamn stage? A menorah. What? A menorah. <laughs> well, not one cross, the menorah represent? Not one baby Jesus, but there's a menorah on the stage. Well, it, well, isn't it, isn't it Hanukkah? Isn't it Hanukkah season though? Isn't it Hanukkah season coming up? I mean, I don't have a problem with that. Why, so why can't we? Why can't we have anything Christian on the stage? Well, obviously you're probably well, in a, a Jewish, a Jew, a, a, I don't well, want to call them temples, well, I don't know. But listen, this is a New World Order temple. No, I'm, at school. Today, I'm at a school. I'm at a school right now. Well, public school. Well, I, well what about separation and I, and church listen, and church? I, I don't want to say exactly <laughs> who I am, but I work for government, okay? I'm a representative, all right? Okay. And I'm disgusted by this. I, this is, I mean, I'm among my constituents right now, and that's why I felt, I felt the need to call you. Okay, I'm. Well, let me ask you a question. What, if you're a representative, if you're a representative, listen, there's nothing wrong. I mean, the menorah really, I wouldn't be offended by. I wouldn't be offended by it, but no, again, if they're not. By, if, I'm not offended by the menorah, know? Joseph. I'm offended that everything else is secular, but they're allowed yes. to show that. That's what offend, is offensive yes. to me. It's not a predominantly okay. Jewish area. That's a good point. And now, That's people a good are point. Look, now people are looking at me, okay, because, all right, why don't you mind your own business? Sir, sorry, I'm not talking to you, dude. No, because now I got people looking at me. My, why don't you mind your own fucking business? Yeah. Sorry, That's ahead, all right. Sir. That's all right. Uh, all right, listen. Let me play this little clip right here, Sarge. Yes. Yeah, Joe, look, let me tell you. He was speaking about the white male not too long ago. Let me tell you why yeah. I believe that we are hurtling toward another significant war. Because now... The Army is doing recruiting that appears to be geared toward heterosexual men, particularly white men. Now, if you notice, for the longest time, at least the last 10, 12 years, the, yeah, the United States Armed Forces have been gearing advertisers, mainly, it appears, to getting women and to getting uh, minorities. But now yeah. they, are, they are definitely gearing it up. And you can see the emphasis now to try to get, because let's face it, if there's a big war, the most of the men doing the fighting are going to be white males because they're most of the men. And they realize well, they've been hemorrhaging them with all of these yeah. activities that they've been doing over the last decade or so. And now they realize they got to get them back if we're going to have any kind of fight anywhere. You're going to have to have white that's males right. in your arm for them to fight. That's, and this is yeah, almost a sure you know. indication to me. That they're really considering it. Well, let me play. Well, let me play this in. This will, this will probably confirm what you're saying, then. Okay, so uh, I mean, that's probably, this will probably confirm it. And uh, and this new world order brainwashing right here. So you didn't bring this on yourself, but soldiers are stuck outside the city lights. They're stuck battling. You need to join the military to save Americans that are outgunned and outnumbered. 
fighting hard to kill 1.3 million Iraqis, fighting hard to ship in cocaine and heroin, fighting hard to bring in that opium, fighting hard to launder that money, fighting hard to torture people in secret camps, fighting hard to train to take over the U.S., filled with illegal aliens and felons, and criminals, fighting hard for it. You're not against America, are you, right now? I'm Keep going. See, just like Obama says, we're going to have national compulsory service. Helping people in floods and hurricanes and soup kitchens. Well, who's against that? But the real mission is taking your guns. The bills are introduced to do it, and they've announced troops are in the U.S. to be used against us for that. And they did it in New Orleans and Illinois. So this is a different version than I saw last night. Um, there must be a whole bunch of these things out there. And what was the one you were, well, keep going. See, now they're associating it with everything's an image, a meme, a, a archetype. You know, now you see one of the revolutionary swamp foxes. He's running from cannon fire. He's a militia. When in truth, the feds are demonizing militias, trying to outlaw them, trying to disarm the American people. But they show you that image. Oh, we're the guys that are with the Founding Fathers. When I have FEMA on video teaching the Founding Fathers were terrorists, then America's bad. Oh, it's in Road to Tyranny. You want me to play that clip? You're out there doubting me? Oh, just like I told you, Alzheimer's is being caused by watching TV? And all the mercury in your food? Would you, like me to, would you like me to show FEMA saying the Founding Fathers were bad? If we have time, we will do that, but it's in Road to Tyranny. So look at that. That's, an, that's, a, that's a minute, man. Oh, that's been taboo. That's been bad in the media, but now it's okay. You can be a minute man. You can be a minute man. You can help take over Iraq and make sure all the kids get their shots so they can't have babies. But they'll tell you it was so they don't get smallpox. Let's go ahead and go back to the clip. I'll be right here. Notice how the guy running looks like or maybe the same guy playing football. We all know we're connected instinctively to our ancestors and that we are connected to those who come after us. We truly live forever through our progeny. So they're actually reaching into base human programming, not just with our heritage, but, but directly with it being the same person, saying he fought before, be part of that great heritage. This is hardcore psych warfare. Continue with the Pentagon attack on the American people. Go ahead. I fired the shot that started the nation. I fired the shot that started the nation. Right there. They've introduced the gun control bills to literally ban all semi-autos, to make everybody be licensed in America with psychological federal testing, where the feds can say you're on a terror or crime list with no judge, no jury, no arrest, and ban you owning any guns. It's all introduced. We covered it earlier in the show. They've introduced bills to build FEMA camps. They've already built the camps, but now they're saying they're going to merge local police with them. They're destroying what these guys went to war because the British were confiscating their guns. Now, the very same New World Order's here doing it, claiming they're our ancestors. That's just high treason. Our military isn't ours anymore. We are the Minutemen. We are the Sons of Liberty that fight the New World Order, not the people in the military. Now, there are good people in the military who 
know what's going on are upset. In fact, the majority of them, but they're being replaced with illegal aliens and crime syndicate operatives, and the biggest recruiting stations are in Mexico City, Manila, Philippines, and, of course, in the major cities in the Eastern Bloc, former Eastern Bloc, like Ukraine and Czech Republic. Check into it. They're signing deals to bring foreign troops into America, not to send the combined force. Now, remember that. Remember who you work for. You work for the bankers that have hijacked America and now have to use the military to suppress the people so we don't get justice while your banker bosses take over the pension funds. Back it up about 20 seconds. I want to play this for folks. Oh, you started a nation. That's good. Hit play. You started a nation because you're in the New World Order military. You No, you are the ones killing the country and killing other sovereign countries. Your country killers. Your freedom killers. You're training to take our guns, and I've got video 10 years ago of it, and now it's openly announced. Play the video. Fighting the Redcoats, and then it cuts to Apache helicopters blowing up cities. No, the Redcoats were the Apache helicopters blowing up cities. The ragtag people fighting them are the equivalent of 1776ers. Let's get that straight, too. We were the underdogs. The Iraqis are the underdogs, not the big giant behemoth blowing the hell out of everything in its way. This is disgusting, sickening, filthy propaganda. And everything the military works for now is destroying the Bill of Rights and Constitution that all the other veterans before them fought for. This is a disgrace and is an abomination to the republic. I rebuke this accursed piece of propaganda. None of them continue with the evil. <laughs> Right there. Why are the women starving for a meal to eat in all these countries? Because the globalists came in and blew up their water structures, their power plants, their roads, their bridges, their infrastructure, and put siege on them for decades. Women starving for something to eat. All this bull. I mean, you know, the Nazis had propaganda posters where it showed a Nazi soldier, you know, in Russia or Poland handing someone a, a loaf of bread. There's literally pictures of them handing a woman a loaf just going like this below them, and they're going. Kyle Hitler below it, handing the woman a piece of bread. And by the way, I know when I just did that, the psyops are going to go put that and say I was Heiling Hitler. But then people are going to find out you lied about it and find out you're working for the government, and then they'll know how credible we are. So go ahead and run your psyop on that one, too. You lying scum will be defeated. The Republic is going to kick your ass. Get that straight. The real 1776ers, not this counterfeit. Now go back to the video. All right, guys. All right, there you go. I think we've heard enough of that. But uh, you get the logistics of it there. It's, it's, it's psychological warfare against the like, Why isn't it shutting down there? It's psychological warfare, and that's what they've been doing for years. And they do it through the music, and that was the point of the video. Is that was a rock and roll song that came out, and what? And it's a video, and it shows the it shows uh, the military. You know, all good and whatnot. Now, Sarge, you were your military guy. Obviously, this this you know, as you well, I mean, I don't know. You know, look, well, I support the troops and everything, and support what they represent, the good ones. But 
They're trained to kick down our doors and take our guns. That's what they're trained the military to do. They did it during Katrina. They did it in Illinois. They're doing it, uh, they're doing it in many, uh, many cities across America, and they're going to do it on a large, massive scale when they may outlaw the guns. And, they, and that's what they're trying to do, but uh, the people keep pushing back. Well, Joe, I, Joe I, I'd like to remind you that I took the oath of enlistment uh, once on active duty and about another three times, four times when I was in the National Guard. I took the oath and listened four times. When I re-enlisted four times in the National Guard and once on active duty when I was four years on active duty. And a part of my oath was to defend the Constitution of the United States. That is every bit as important as, as the role of obeying the orders of the officers appointed over me. And I'd like to point out to you, uh, Joseph, that an officer does not have that last thing I said in their oath. Their oath is to defend the Constitution of the United States and they accept this office without reservations. Okay? So there's a reason yeah. why they make officers take an oath that doesn't say, in the day, the officers appointed over me. They made them take, we had well, Air, no a United States Army yeah. Air Force Colonel, Sarah, uh, uh, um, the, well, Mariniki on here. Uh, we had her on here several, several uh, times, and she has retired, became an instructor at the academy. And when she refused to take the vaccine, they fired her. They fired her. Well, okay. Well, all I'm saying is, is that as not only does a soldier take an oath to obey the order, I mean, an enlisted man takes an oath to obey the orders, the lawful orders of the, of the, of the officers and others appointed over them. That's an enlisted person's oath. But the officer takes an oath to defend the Constitution without mental reservation, okay? And there's a reason for it. So anybody says the only reason in there is to obey any order they're given from any higher authority is simply saying things that are violative of their oath. Okay, yeah, I know that. I know that problem so, is, though, is how many good ones out there are going to – go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you know they're – because I'm, I'm still here. You know they're trying to kick me out. Because I was sitting on my boyfriend's lap to see better, and now they're accusing me of that we were doing something sexual. Do you know that? <laughs> well, I hope you're not. <laughs> I'm no, cool. <laughs> I'm just, I am playing it cool, and it's like you know, if we were sorry, if we were transgender, I guess that would be what you know would be acceptable. If we were a transgender couple, but because we're a man and a woman, they're telling us to stop. Well, that may, you're absolutely correct. If they were homosexuals, if they were transgender, yeah. you're absolutely right. It'd be, it'd be uh, promoted, actually. Well, wait, I mean, wait a minute. You know, are, are you in the same unit? Well, what do you mean? I mean, are you in the same unit? Is, is the person that you're with, are they in the chain of command? And more importantly, are they superior to you in the chain of command? This, this, this public is school. my boyfriend. We're watching a pageant in a school, and uh, sorry, I am sitting on him. <laughs> Nothing sexual. I just really love Christmas. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. We got that. So, and, so, I, they, I so, they, so they're just I, right. so they're just saying, man. They're just imputing behavior to you that is not revealed by the photograph. Is that it? So they're throwing you exactly. out of the school. They're well. They're trying to. I don't. This guy just said to get my. Okay, so some guy just came up to us and said, pardon my French, get that guy's dick out of your mouth, lady. 
And I was, right, right, well, for, just... I was literally looking for my car keys. I was not doing anything like that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, uh, what school are you at then? Well, well, well things like that are, are, after all, matters of fact. Mm. And then they have to, then they exactly. have to, uh, then they have to uh, show how they conform to either the Uniform Code of Military Justice or the law. So what you're talking about is simply things that are matters of fact. You know, whether or not you know, the behavior they accuse you of is true or not. So, I mean, and that's something exactly. that they got to be able to prove to some extent, I would think. Oh, no, they're just making wild accusations right now because I'm sitting here. Okay, I know I'm on my phone. Well, I know that's I would but this is a secular monstrosity of a, of a Christmas pageant, okay? And I'm a representative. I'm a representative. What, what district are you a representative mm-hmm. of? Do you know Lauren Bobert? Lauren Bobert? Yeah, no, Colorado? In well, Colorado? I don't want to say exactly, but let's just say I know her pretty well. Yeah, but I okay. thought you were a representative, though. I thought you were a representative. Though. I like, am. You just know a representative. Oh. I am. Wink, wink. Okay. I got you. All right. <laughs> I'm well, right. well, here because it is hot. All right, all right, well, you all know, right. when, when somebody accuses you of misbehavior, I mean, you know, is that, those are matters of fact that have to be determined, and they have to be determined by some kind of due process, right? I mean, something that resembles <laughs> think, due process. I think, so it's, I it's think either so, a matter of either you did or you didn't. I think they're trying to put a pageant on for us, maybe. I think that's what it is, you know. So. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sweat yeah. it too much until I see something specific <laughs> yeah. that they're charging me with that I can respond to. <laughs> oh, oh, Shabaka's you know? in the chat room, and he said, "He said, uh, tell Sarge he is ordered to report to Shabaka's black experience and has twenty-one hundred hours his time." Uh, but, 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 Sarge. I mean, Shabaka. You, you go on to that show and you just hang up on people and you mute people and, and, and all it is it becomes a shouting match, you know? I mean, that's what it becomes. And there's no – and it's just there's no, there's no discussion. There's no level – there's no balancing of, of, of a discussion. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no – they, they believe one way, Sarge, one way, and that's it, right? I mean, uh, that's well, it. Well, yeah, well, like I do, I definitely believe pretty much one way. I'm willing to entertain any rash reason argument to the contrary. That's the thing about me. If you got a, if you got a rational, a rational and reason argument to the contrary, I'll entertain anybody's ideas that don't agree with mine. Yeah, yeah, true. Well, well, the point being is what I'm trying to get at here, Sarge, is this: is that Shabaka is that is that is is that he's only going to use things from, like, the Alabama bombing of the church and, you know, the slavery from 300 years ago. And that's the point that he's made with the history he's going to talk about. He doesn't want to talk about issues of today. Well, actually, he did one time about the uh, police officer there, the, the George Floyd, but he's closed-minded. He, George Floyd, is, he was an upstanding citizen. He was a great citizen. He was a great guy. And, and, the, and the police officer is guilty of murder, you know? You know, so oddly enough, now I haven't heard Shabaka once say that George Floyd was a great guy. He just kind of skips that all together, and he goes on to talk about the uh, depredations of Derek Chauvin. So I'm not going to attribute that to Shabaka because I've never heard him say 
that George Floyd was a saint and somebody who deserved to be extolled and elevated. I honestly can't well, say, I don't think he say that. Yeah, but he, but, but he also said, but he did say he, he doesn't think he belonged that uh, that, that the police officer belongs in prison. He did, and he did, and he did. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt whatsoever about that one. Yeah, absolutely. We got uh, definitely said that. Here. Got their hand up here. Let's see two hundred one. Another caller here. Go ahead, two hundred one. Sorry if I wasn't woke enough for your Rhino showcase over here, and the fact that a man and a woman are doing something is so offensive to you. Uh, I don't know who that she's. I don't know who that's talking to right there. What are they talking about there? What, go ahead. I'll unmute you again. What are you talking about? Because you just muted me because I was at the Christmas pageant, okay? And I guess you thought yeah, my well, voice. I, I, well, we didn't want to hear sexual. We didn't want to hear sexual in, innuendos in the background. You know. So if I was gay or trans, that would be okay, right, for your show? No, that would actually be worse, actually. But but you can be. I'll call in. You can be. I don't have a problem with gay or trans people calling in to my show. Well, I'm not uh, that, you know? okay? And and we were not having sex or anything, and I'm tired of that accusation. Okay, I was trying to talk well, about what's going on in America with Christmas. And, yes, I was sitting on my boyfriend's lap, but it wasn't sexual. Okay, well, that, that's fine. That's fine. But, uh, again, I'm if you're making sexual noises – you know, then uh, then I have to I mute you because I'm I have you know I, I'm not I'm try, I like a clean program. I know I'm just uh, uh, sorry. I'm just readjusting. And, and and that's what I'm talking about right there, as you can see. And they say there, you say it's a joke. They want to play mm-hmm. a prank call, you know. Go ahead, private caller. Yeah, and who's this from two three four calling, acting like they got an area code near me? Yeah, I'm listening. And you know what? If you're sitting there on your boyfriend's lap in a, in a school with kids, you need your ass kicked. Both of you. <laughs> you well, we just turned the show into a war. <laughs> uh, and yeah, well, they, but the, well, yeah, that was another thing too. Why are you sitting in your boyfriend's lap in a, in a, in a public school? Can you answer that question? That that that'd be good right there. Can you answer that? Don't want to answer. Hello. Yes. Did you unmute me? No, you're you're unmuted. Go ahead. Why are you sitting in your boyfriend's you it lap? To, it was to see the it was to see the show better. And if you don't realize to the, see the show better. here, well, yeah. And if you don't realize the issue here is what's going on on stage and not what's going on in the audience, you're as bad as the sheep that are in this audience that are all for Joe Biden's America. So you think sitting in your you think sitting uh-huh. in your boyfriend's lap at a public I, school? I don't, make, I don't think that's the audience behavior? of Joe Dixon's show. So help me God, I don't think the audience of Joe Gibson's show is for Joe Biden's America. Now, that's what they yeah. have to say with absolute confidence. <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah. the people watching that show next to you sure the hell ain't got no brains. That'd have slapped the shit out of you. We despise with every fiber of our being the America that Joe Sorry. Biden is trying to create. I mean, every molecule in our bodies rebel against this fool and his corrupt administration. We've got well, you better take a long look at on. your show and its policies if you're going to yell at a straight couple that's reporting on a secular pageant, a Christmas pageant, where they don't even bring up Jesus. That's the issue here. How are you going to contradict okay. yourself if you just said you're straight and you just said you had a boyfriend? Because I'm a woman. What are you talking about? Let's go 907. Right, wait. Hang on, guys. Let's go 907. Go ahead. Okay, hang on. Okay, hang on. I'm trying to. 
Indoctrination. Hey, Let's mute hey, 901. Go ahead, 907. Yeah, hey, listen, I called in just to get in for the after show, and maybe I'll I'll have something to say. This is getting to be too funny. <laughs> yeah, real funny. Well, with the after show, we're we're pretty much almost there. Actually, we only got about 15 minutes left to the live show. And uh, I don't think I'm going to go too far into overtime, actually. So, uh, but uh, we were talking about earlier, obviously, the the uh, the, the brainwashing of America as that's used. It's anti-white, anti-white European male. And of course, we know the beginning of the show was Dr. Peter Venturi who was teaching the Book of Daniel and how, and of course, how it relates to the times of today. So, uh, you know, um, I was hoping some of the Connecticut callers would have com- com- you know commented on what they've been learning or had some comments, but. They, they book out of here so fast as soon as he says it's okay it's okay to go they you know there's smoke on the on the dial you know on the numbers you know <laughs> so but uh um let me see uh let's see uh who we got here now on i got i got one one two private callers well one sarge I know that and then cave and then i got the okay and then I got two three four which yeah they're trying to mimic caves now that's who I thought it was originally uh actually and so obviously I don't know what they're doing with that 234 number I don't think they're originally from caves area I think that, it's a spoof that means number from Ohio. Yeah I think it's a spoof number hang on I got Peter wants to talk here let's see go ahead Peter go ahead Oh no <laughs> Ain't much I want to say at this point <laughs> I agree <laughs> what are you doing sitting on that on your boyfriend's lap <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's a little bit, a little uh, awkward. Don't yeah. you think? At a Christmas pageant, right? I got all yeah. kinds that well, listen in, huh? Well, you know, well, look, Joe, Joe, when, you know, whenever somebody alleges something that someone else is accusing them of, since we have no way of determining what the truth is, you know, we got to kind of default to okay, uh, you're being unjustly accused of something that somebody's got to prove. And, you know, yeah. and I mean, yeah. and there's nothing more, much, there's not much more to say about it. I mean, yeah. we, don't, we don't have any evidence either one way or the other. If, now, if, yeah. if she is being unjustly accused of something that she didn't do, then it goes without saying we are going to be against them, against that, and for her position. But we simply have no, no way of knowing what the truth is. We only have her word for it, which may or may not be true. And I, like I said, yeah. when I hear things like this, I default to the position that it's true. But like I say, hey, yet to be proven, because I don't know anything about it one way or the other. Well, it shows the, it shows the destruction of America, really. It really does. So let's, let's take 551. Uh, I just unmuted you, and then the screen jumps. Go ahead. I'm unmuted. Go ahead. No, I'm still on hold. 551. Hello? Oh. The same number. The Hello? same number. You're, you're, well, how, how are you calling in from 80 I different hang on. numbers One here? second. I'm just, I'm, just tell, let me, I'm just getting my boyfriend to move. One second. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's see him real quick here. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, think, I think it's pretty yeah. clear what she's trying to convey. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Right. That's the third time now she's done that. I, I mean, it, this is a sexual. Hang on, though. But this is a sexual, sexual deviant uh, of, this, uh, of our society today. Joe, it's pretty clear what you're yeah. trying to do now. I mean, she's done it three yeah. times now. You know, and she but, says yeah, something and then immediately goes in a, in a sound that could be well, different numbers, Sarge. A sexual they're calling in different numbers. So, come on. Yeah, but they're calling in from different numbers. Uh, you know, like, uh, I, got, yeah, I, got, I, I got a I, I understand. Well, we know what time it is, and we, we've seen this before. And it's yeah, just the way yeah. things are, I guess. 
Hey, Florence. And they're doing it. They're doing it because Doctor Ventura is on here. But go ahead, Peter. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Hey, Sarge. Yeah. Sarge. Hey, yeah, he can hear you. Yes, sir. I just want to tell you. I just want to tell you we missed you when you were gone for a little while there. We didn't know where you were. Oh, I want to tell you. Uh, I miss. I miss you guys too. And believe me, what I was doing was re- was fairly important. And I'm glad to be back and having conversations here with, with you guys. Well, I'm back as often as I can be. I shall be returned. Just like Doug I mean, I think, I think of all Joe's guests, you're uh, one of the most intelligent men that I've uh, heard on this radio program in a, uh, since its inception. I just wanted you to know that. I'm not trying to puff you up, but just want you to know that. I appreciate your opinion. Well, I, well, I really appreciate that coming from you, uh, Dr. Ventura, because... You have enlightened and edified me a great deal as to religion. I mean, I'm not particularly religious. I don't have a great depth of knowledge about religious doctrine because, you know, I mean, I understand its place in history pretty well, but when it comes to religious doctrine, I definitely don't. And you have provided me with a wealth of information and a basis to go research other things. In fact, your, your discussions have got me, caused me to purchase a book called Christianity, the first three thousand years by Diamond McCullough. It was recommended to me. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to probably get up a little bit more on many of the things that you're talking about. And I really appreciate what you have provided with me in terms of education and uh, and uh, and uh, interest. Well, yeah. I have uh, to, uh, go ahead, Peter. I have to give the glory to God. So I could say anything that I've got knowledge of that of the Lord is is what God's allowed me to have, and I'm glad that uh, it's uh, edified you in some way. Amen. Definitely. Well, you made a comment, Peter, earlier about about something, but hang on, I, I wanted to ask a question about it. But hang on, well, I got a seven seven three number that keeps putting their hand up. So let's see who that is. Seven seven area code seven seven three. Go ahead. I'm going to mute you quick if it's nonsense. Go ahead. No, Joseph. Well, uh, yes. just about the nonsense. Why do you keep? I mean, what, what's with the the, por- the porno on the show tonight? I don't know. They're just attacking <laughs> the show. Because they said they were at a, 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 a pageant, okay, and then they're having what is it? Sex in the audience? <laughs> I, that's what I assume. That's what I assume. Well, how inappropriate is that? Well, I guess we'll just have to make this show an R-rated show. These are the kind of people that should have had an abortion that worked out. But wait a minute now, you do understand that even, even, well, you do understand that even the premise of the caller's call might be a spoof. The whole thing might just be a spoof. Yeah. It could have been. I mean, they said they were a representative, but I did hear um, some music in the background, so it sounded in a little echo. I figured, well, that sounds like they're in a, a pageant, you know. And and but you're right, it could have been a fake. But um, and then I heard a man breathing in the line, and I assume that was the boyfriend. And then she said something to the effect of, uh, you know, stick it in me, put it in me. And I thought, well, this is pretty wild. Yeah. We'll have to we'll, we'll rate well, you folks, I mean, um did you see that the White House just recently 
uh, had a, a, a day of remembrance for the 26 transgender people that have been killed this year. Not all of them murdered, mind you, but just killed for one reason or another. And one of them was a transgender individual who shot at cops in Georgia protesting the institution of the creation of the police training center near Atlanta. And the White House included this individual who was a terrorist who had manifestos advocating for the murder of police officers, the burning of police buildings, attacks on police officers and everything else. And the White House listed this person by name as someone who was to be mourned when the police officers did their duty and shot back at him after he wounded a Georgia State trooper and killed him. So is it any surprise that people think degeneracy is something to be publicly extolled and elevated? It ain't to me. Sarge. Well, it is in America. we We celebrate Christmas one day. We celebrate the great independence of our nation, right? Hold on one second here. We celebrate the great independence of our nation one day. <laughs> they celebrate the resurrection of Christ one day, but they celebrate great gay pride for 30 days. That ought to tell you something. Well, more than that, more than that, periodically, depending upon what jurisdiction you speak about, somebody may have some kind of gay pride, transgender, something. So I would say maybe 50, 60, 70 days a year, somewhere in the United States, someone is, is, is commemorating some form of sexual deviancy. He's right, because around here they do it um, It's all summer long almost, and you think it's over and it starts again. And then some hey, of the other festivals, like the Indian festivals, they co-opt with the gay festivals, so I get some sort of weird transmutation of gay, Indian, whatever. Yeah, but he's right. It goes on for 60, 70 days. Now, Joseph, I have to ask you a question. Before that lady left, she said something I don't understand the term. What is a cum fart? <laughs> I don't have any clue. I have no clue. Oh, no. Can I didn't hear that. that. Oh, man. What is that? Hey, Joe. No, oh, man. Hey, Joe. Oh, yeah. That's... Joe's been spoofed by better, you know. I miss in the morning. I miss in the morning spoofed Joe one time. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> Uh, I no, didn't hear I that started. one. I heard it. I, I thought it was started. Howard that Stern was a, who did it. I, I thought it was Howard Stern who did that. She said yeah. that was a come a come fart. Deal with it. What now? What is that? Well, I have oh, no idea. okay. I, I can venture what that is. Yeah, yeah. What okay. Uh, I can venture what that is, but I prefer not to give such a uh, graphic description over well, Joe's show. In a, in a, but I think I know what it is. Way. Yeah. In an ungraphic way. I think we better. I don't know. Well, I think I I can describe the physiological mechanism. That's when the ejaculate in the vagina is expelled by muscular contraction of the vagina and creates a sound given the liquid within the vagina and the expulsion caused by the muscular contraction. And it sounds a, a bit akin to a, a fart. So what do they call that? that? So I can write that down. What do they call that, sir? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I'd like uh, to write that only down. one description per show, Joe. Only one description <laughs> per show. No, I know what you just described, but what is it called? 
I well, think, I think that, that's uh, what the comp part is. I think that's what uh, they're referring to. No, it's coming oh, out of the other way. Oh, that is pretty, uh, pretty – I knew it was something nasty. I just knew it. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. What she do you was a nasty come lady. Come she was a nasty lady. Yeah, did you I hear mean, at one point – Wait a minute, no, guys. Did did you, you look, have, you seen, have you seen the books that they're upset about school boards denying – to put in the kids' libraries. I'm talking about pre-high schools. Yeah. I mean, you see what's in some of these books? Now, they're not banning books because they got no authority to ban books, but they do have the authority to what books will be available to children at taxpayers' expense. They have the authority to do that. It's any number of books. They don't have a single copy of Mein Kampf in any any. Any uh, pre high school school that I know of. And there's no pornography in Mein Kampf at all, other than Hitler maybe talking about, uh, you know, um, people of color having sex with German women. And that's only a general description. There's no pornography in Mein Kampf. And but yet, still, you won't find uh, any of that because school boards have the authority to decide, you know, in, in consultation with the PTA and the parents and a whole lot of other factors what literature they're going to make available in publicly taxpayer-funded libraries. And among them, they're expelling these explicitly pornographic books. I mean, the descriptions are vivid. I've seen what they are. And then they accuse the people who don't want their children exposed to this of being censors. It's just amazing what these leftists try to get away with. And then you're it's complaining amazing. about the crime. They have no you know, shame. About the, they have know. no shame and no self-awareness whatsoever. None. Hey, look, you no. like this country. You like the way this country is going. Then this is what you're going to get. This is what we're getting. You like it, then this is what we're going to get. You know, you don't worry. You're not safe from these people. They'll get you too. Roaming, the roving bands again. You're not safe hiding in the mountains. You're not safe hiding in your little shack someplace. They'll get you there too. Trust me. You know, did you so hear you're at one point that uh, you're still writing about the book. The hell she, they she said she was at a, a school. Did you hear at one point she had something in her mouth? And you can imagine what that was when she was there with her boyfriend. I, I really don't want to imagine. And really, to be honest with you, I really don't care. Uh, it's obviously I think a, a, a penis, part of it. I think, his, I think they were having oral sex. At the pageant. Well, good. Yeah, look, look. It, I, I don't well, think it good. really matters what she was or wasn't doing. I think the objective yeah. here is what Herbert Marcuse, that guy who came from the Gramsci School, the guy who came from the Institute of Social Research, the guy, that Marxist that came over here and was one of the key intellectual lights in subverting academia, he was the one who created the idea of polymorphous perversity. It's in his book called Eros and Civilization. It was a book that came out in the 60s when you had all that crazy shit going on campuses and all kind of stuff. And, and what, what, what the essential holding of Eros and Civilization was, this concept of polymorphous perversity, that human beings cannot be truly liberated until they free themselves from religious strictures and let go with all the impulses that the erotic minds can come up with. And whatever manifestation, whatever form, whatever outward 
indication of sexuality that they can possibly conceive of. It's called polymorphous perversity. It is a key um, uh, a tenet of uh, what Herbert Marcuse wrote about in Eros and Civilization, and it's being instituted throughout our culture now. And this woman is simply yeah. responding to it. She's just doing what she's been told to do by the culture. By the leftist progressive culture she that holds the high ground. Can, can, I, can I get in, can in, I get academia, in here? In education, everywhere. Hang on, I don't care no one to speak. Can I get in here for and a minute? Just taking off, can, I don't think it was a taking off her pants. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Can I get in here for a minute? Can I get in here for a minute? 907 wants to talk. Hang on, 907, go ahead. Let me just say one thing about that uh, call okay and everything they successfully trolled this site because they have got the conversation gone from wherever we were at when they called in they were successful and we let them be successful that's right well it happens sometimes you know it happens well, yeah, she said you know, she was taking her panties off. And I said, well, why yeah, are you about it? Did somebody tell me who decided it was a woman? Because from what I was listening to, it was a dude with a, 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 a feminine voice sitting on another dude's lap. Could have been. Well, then, if, he was taking, if he was yeah, taking but you're his right, panties you, off. But, but Gunslinger is right. When he said that the guy, that this guy or woman, whoever it was, was successful at trolling show, but at the same time, it also gave us an opportunity because we shouldn't get hung up on the details. We should use it as an opportunity to tell everybody what we're up against. All Sorry, of these I'm things. Just, I'm, this is, I'm she is about just, her. Uh, she is just an individual up. manifestation of it. Yeah, I I'm agree. pulling my pipe and, just thinking about this. All right. Goodbye. 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 All right. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 like I said, yeah, they're 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 everywhere, and, and and they know they're what they're everywhere. doing. You know, yeah. they've been greenlit to do this kind of thing, and they do it. So, yeah. And like they, I said, well, this they were built up against. It was built up for an hour. Yeah, it was built up for an hour. They just, yeah. you know, like it was just bursting, you know, like because uh, I wouldn't let anybody on while Peter yeah. was talking. So, yeah, you know, as soon as I left, you know, yeah. so they finally got their little big thing, like this one right here, four one seven. Watch, it's the same person. Watch, go ahead, four one seven. Go ahead. Yeah, well, we're we're up against this everywhere, man. Sure everywhere. about that. I I support uh, fucking assholes oh, and okay. fucking. I recognize his voice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, who it was. All right, here you go. Let, let me try it. How's that work out? Well, oh, my God. Quit it, guys. Quit picking on me. I have rights, too, you know. Fuck. Oh, for Christ's sake. What, a right not to be well, criticized? Since when is that well, ever? My right is to my left nut anyway, so it doesn't matter. One gets more than the other. That, Hey, hey, Ron, the yeah, bottom line is yeah. this. this. They deviated from the topic of the show, so they were successful tonight. That's fine. No big deal. Okay, so you know, it. I mean, I'm, I'm like, it is what oh, it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's no big deal. Well, when do conservatives ever get that right not to be criticized? Since when do we ever get that right? Never. We never will get it. And I don't even think we should get it. But they want to be immune from any sudden slight or any criticism whatsoever. 
Well, we got to go after their shows. That's well, all. Go to their shows and do it. The, the, the thing about that, I have, yeah. uh, I have trained. I'm a troll trainer. I'm a troll whisperer, okay? When they call, they don't call my shit. They don't because they know they can't fuck with me. They just know I'm notoriously fucked. I'll fuck them up every time. And what I do is I just go along with it. Okay, right, okay. So you're, you're playing we're no this longer recording. We're no longer recording, everybody, right. just so you know. So yes, we're no you longer are. recording. Yes, you are. No, yes, we're in overtime. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, yeah, me like yeah. I fuck my sister and all that And I tell them, well, hey, boy, ain't you a barnyard sodomist? Don't you do sheep and goats and donkeys and shit? Is that what you do? And, you know, so why, why are you talking about me fucking my sister when I'm just fucking the dog? So what, what makes me the bad guy, you know? So I just go along with the bullshit. <laughs> and I figure they can't trigger me to get mad at them because that's what they want. They want a response out of you. They want to trigger you. And I just don't give it to but them. They give up. They don't, they don't fuck with me. But, you, but, look, but you're not paying attention, though. This is the sickness in our society, and they're growing and growing and growing. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it's not going to stop. They have taken nature and manipulated it. That's what they're in. The natural cycle of life is sex. We have sex because we're animals, okay, to to keep, you know, keep population going. It's the natural part of nature. A lot of people say, oh, no, it's sex, it's fucking, it's this, it's that. No, no, it's not. It's an actual act of nature. Now, how you proceed it is a different thing. You know, you've got to get one of your freaky deaky and shit. That's just you. You know what I'm saying? But the real the actual <laughs> thing of life is we have sex. We are born to have sex. We're, we're born no, to procreate. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. We're not supposed to be going out and having sex with every single thing that we see. It's not, we're, man is not made for that. Man, and how is man? Yeah. If, no way. If it's a no way. man, you there's a hole, go for it. Go for any <laughs> hole you want. It don't matter. It just don't matter. I know I'm stuck with so you. So you're saying you're so so you so married. So there's no just so marriage should be out the window. Then we shouldn't be married to one person. Well, marriage ain't even legal. Marriage is a bullshit story. The only reason we have a thing called marriage is because they fucking want to incorporate. That's that's all politics. That's not legal law and politics. And it's not marriage is not a holy matrimony thing. The only way, the real, the real, the reality of that marriage. So, so you don't believe, so you is, don't believe in God. So you don't believe in God, then obviously you don't sure believe, I believe in God. God. Man, Absolutely, woman. no, I, Joe, I do believe in God. The thing is, but when it comes to a marriage, original marriages were done in a scripture in a church, not to a goddamn circuit clerk's office. You probably even birth itself was actually done in a church. Well, That's how it was done. It was recorded in a church. Never recorded by the state. So what? So, Ron, actually, you're talking about the modern institution of marriage, not marriage right. itself, because marriage clearly right. came into being because yeah. society had to recognize the products of procreation, which are children, and how it right. is essential to incorporate the family unit of man, woman, and child into it and recognize the mutual obligations of the society and the people within the marriage, whether they be the children or the parents. That's why well, marriage came like, into being. It is, right. no, marriage, right. marriage is part of human nature. Marriage is part of human nature. But it's not controlled by the state, Sarge. The state is the one that controls it. Go down to the courthouse because that's where it all started. Exactly. Now you got it right. When you go into a fucking, you go to a courthouse and get fucking blood tests done or whatever you do, you get a marriage license. A license. That's permission to do it. Permission to do it. What does that make you? It makes you a fucking slave, doesn't it? 
You know, I've said this many times before on every show I've done, every show I've been on. What about authority? What about respect for authority, though? What about, what about authority? Here's what I would caution again. I understand your argument about the uh, corruption introduced by the state into the institution of marriage. Fully understand that. But I just like to caution against saying that, therefore, marriage itself is illegitimate because it isn't. It forms a vital part of human beings creating a culture and a civilization in which one of the most crucial elements is procreation and the obligations of everybody in that civilization to those children that result from procreation. And that is best served by the union of a man and a woman. Well, I'm, I'm cool with that, but in reality, in the past, that never existed. Before yes, the did. caveman days, you just fucked whoever you got. That's the way it worked. There was no dating. Well, no I'm, dating. Well, I'm not sure if that was true. You know, I mean, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that was true. Stick, grand came, fuck the shovel, throw it down the road, get another one. That's the way it was. Oh, I mean, think about it. Think about it for a minute. What, what is one of the, the biggest emphasis? I mean, what is one of the biggest emphasis? to men, and most of the time, not talking about all, because there's some exceptions to what I'm about to say, but I'm talking about what is it about chastity belts and making sure women remain chaste and covered and modest and restricting their interaction with other men? What brought all that about? You know what it is? It is the fear of women. Let me say, it is is not because men want to dominate women so much, even though that is probably a small part of it, most of it has to do with the fear of a man being cuckolded and being forced to raise someone other than his own genetic offspring against his will and not knowing it. Because after all, the reason we are on this planet, basically, is the genetic immortality of our posterity. That's the reason most of us think of it immortal. You have descendants. You have people who are genetically descended from you. And the one way you can be assured of it is if your woman is chaste because before DNA and blood testing, there was no way to be absolutely certain, was there? Sarge, what about our creator? Where does our creator come into the play here? Well, well, uh, again, you know, that's why we have morals. That's why we develop morals and behaviors and rules. You've got to realize at the, at the basis of all law, everything, at the basis of it, it's morality. It's somebody's notion of morality. All law stems from that. That's why when people say, that's why when people say you can separate law from religion, they're full of shit. They're going to adopt some form of religion in their law, whether it's a secular religion like communism and Marxism or whether it's a religious thing like Sharia law. But there will be some form of religion at the basis of every single law that gets passed anywhere. Well, what's, what's Peter got to say about this? <laughs> marriage was the institution created. Marriage is an institution created by God, and it's a picture and a type of the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. It's the union of the bride with the bridegroom, as John spoke about the bridegroom. And it was 
it was instituted by God, and it's flesh on flesh is the marriage. And the sexual appetite for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father be joined unto his wife, not wives. And every time you fornicate and you commit a sex out of the body fornication, you make a soul connection with that person. And so uh, mm-hmm. consider but marriage was intended one wife, one husband. Now, there are biblical reasons for divorce. Well, I'm going to hell. I'm going straight to hell. That's it. And procreate. Like what the doctor is saying. The doctor is saying this. Hey. Look, look it, 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 this is consistent with human nature. The religion, the Bible, most everything in the Bible is consistent with human nature. That's why it's been so eternal and so everlasting. What, much of what and these Marxists are doing is simply incompatible with human nature. The Bible follows the tenets of human nature for all of its good points and its bad points. And it offers us prescriptions and rewards for, for doing the right thing and punishments for not doing the right thing. It, it follows human nature. Most of the shit we're seeing that they're doing us these days is completely contrary to that, and that's why it's a failure everywhere it's tried. How can we, how can we do, do witness you know, to these guys to read the Torah? Isn't the Torah the Old Testament? The first four books of the Old Testament? No, it's Look the five books. people, after they read that stuff and what they're into with the Talmud and the Torah, the I mean, Talmud it's absolutely insane. Excuse me. The Talmud, the Talmud has nothing the Talmud. to do with the Torah. The Talmud, yeah. the Targum, and all those are extra-biblical writings. They have nothing in the world to do with the five books of Moses, which is the Torah, not four books. Well, the Torah, five. all the Talmud is, is the, is the verbal uh, tra- or the translation in the talk of the, of the Torah, they claim. That's what they claim. Well, well that's what they claim. Yeah, that's their traditions. Yeah. The traditions that that's, that's what Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for. Their traditions, instead of sticking to the right. word, created traditions. And the Talmud has nothing yep. to do with the Bible, and anybody who's follow, and following the Talmud is not following the Torah. It's just like the, so when you have... you the, the Quran. The Quran has a, a an interpretation called the Hadith. You see, and right. it depends on Hadith you're reading. You're going to interpret the Quran by, all right. But the Talmud, the Targums, and the old and other extra biblical written writings, you know, by Moses, Maimonid, and those up in, in we're uh, up in Europe, and, and by those. They have nothing to do with that Bible. Those are private interpretations of what the Bible says, of what the Torah says. The Pentateuch, as it's called, the five books of Moses. Yeah. There are a couple of different types of Talmud as well. Uh, yes. I think and, there's and two. important interpretation. And so, right. you know, it's just, you know, we have commentaries. We have commentaries on the Bible, but they're not the Bible. They're 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 what men men have written about the Bible. The same thing the Talmud. Right. You know, Jesus told them to put a tabernacle up on the on on the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Pharisees went so far. If you ever want to read something, you get our uh, our heritage. It's the three volumes of the Jewish uh, law and tradition, and see what they've done to it. What they got so far removed. He didn't tell them uh, that it had. They, they went so far as to set it up that if you're going to set up a tabernacle, it's got to be. 
It's got to be two inches from the ground, so many feet uh-huh. wide, so many feet high. Made Just of a like certain the covenant material. was built. And, and you, yes, but I'm not. I'm talking about the, the tabernacle of on the feast of tabernacles. The, all the Jews right. made a little tent in their, you know, and they still do it today. But but they've regulated it. They've they've taken the tradition of just building it, and now they've regulated it to being, you know, it's got so many inches so far, so wide. I mean, some of the some of these Jewish people are cunning. I mean, on a Saturday they won't turn on the air conditioner because it's work, so they'll get a Gentile next door to come over and flip the switch. Okay, that's unbelievable. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying. You know, that's, he's right. That's he's absolutely part. right. The you know, goyim, that's go what, get the goyim. We'll do it. <laughs> You know, yeah, but that's the difference. Well, how can they, how can these guys that worship that? How can our society sit back and let these very people? They know for a fact that their rabbis are one hundred percent the ones I'm watching out of Israel. Talk about Shabbat Lubavitch. I can't say his name, Shabbat Lubavitch, whatever. That that whole sect of them there. They're they're most. I don't even know what you are calling. They're most uh, famous or highest. Rabbi married a three-year-old girl after he, uh, what did they say? Uh, gosh, I can't think of the word. After he, 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 it's unbelievable. Three years old. Where is the mentality in that? Why is that okay in society now with? This whole movement, that's why I mean, like, so everybody's saying, what we're seeing, like, if this guy or girl, whatever, calls in and hijacks the show, but that's what these people are. That's what they believe. They think that's just okay. When is America going to wake up and say, listen, it's not. It's not okay to be like that. It never has been from the time of Christ. It's never been like that. Now, these idiots that are this black magic cultist Whatever they are, satanic cults have hijacked all the media, all the propaganda, and they've brainwashed. It seems like every five people I run into, three of them are brain dead. <laughs> what do they have to do? Knock on individual doors? Well, open here's... the door and come in and sit on their couch and say, hey, guess what? I'm the, the Satan show's here. That's what it's come to, it seems like. That's the only way they're going to realize it's happening. Directly affected, hands-on almost. Yeah. Yeah, but nobody is doing it. But nobody's talking the truth no more, and no, and because people are improvising and they're and they're just catering, cowering down, and a lot of people are getting frustrated because well, of that too. The, and that's actually hurts a lot of good people though. You know, you look at the yeah. retaliation you get. If you say something, you get the Zionist, uh, anti-Semite shit. Lock you up, throw away the keys. January 6th, guys that are still enduring that jerk garbage. I mean, yeah, there's well, a difference between anti-Semite and anti-wrong. Go ahead, Peter. You know, that's what they, they got this so twisted. Go ahead, Peter. Well, the problem is, is that every nation that's ever turned its back on God, only one thing results. That's judgment. And this country's well, in trouble. Well, there you have it. God. This country's yeah, in trouble. Yeah, that's for God. sure. Yeah, well, this country's in a bad place because they're headed for judgment. That's for sure. They are reckoning is coming. Well, I mean, uh, uh, can you give us some examples of some countries that, that have turned their back and just turned? I mean, well, obviously, look, 
You look at the continent of Africa. No God, no God. Look what they're doing. They're living in the sand. You know, uh, you know look at mm-hmm. South America. You know, they want to worship, uh, you know, uh, statues. You know, look at how they, look look how they live. You know, look, how look at Egypt Russia. Was. Look at Russia. You know, I mean, come on. All of them. You know, and America's going to go yeah, there, got, too. They worship the sun. They worship the moon. They worship volcanoes. I mean, I don't know. It's just, look what it's happened to the Indians. Look what happened to the Indians. Look what happened to them. They want to work. They want to idol well, worship. Look, now look, look, look what's left of them now. Look what's left of the Indian uh, culture. People, there's nothing left of them. Their people are completely destroyed, and they still won't wake up. No, they 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 yeah. let them they rounded them up real nice and they fed them the alcohol. That was their that was the demon for them. I think was to actually just segregate them and give them alcohol because they knew that turned them into the lunatics. Honest to God, <laughs> and I'm carrying yeah. Indians. Yep, and it, it's I mean to segregate them and just, uh, I don't know. I just I, it's, I can't understand why people the like parents that I know of kids that I know they have issues at school I know they have issues at the bus stop I know they have issues on their school transport that these parents when they go to a school board meeting or whatever even, I mean what happened to parent teachers conferences aren't these teachers supposed to teach what the hell they go and get a degree for what's hanging on the wall they should be able they to don't have no time the they don't have no time they have no time they're too busy trying to stay alive pay the bills you know car, car payments mortgages you know everyone's working 90 hours a week mm-hmm. for just at their jobs just over broke you know i mean that's the way it is well, I got a final thing for you guys to tell you. Everybody has to homeschool. Go ahead, Ron. I got a final one for you. There's few teachers in Central Missouri that got busted with only members' sites. Okay, these some nice looking teachers, two of them, but they make over hundred some thousand dollars a year doing that. They only make like forty thousand being a teacher. And they, you're right, they don't have a life because they got to come home and grade hundred fifty fucking tests a night or whatever they got to fucking do, and they got to have no home life either. They got to take work home with them, and they're not getting paid for it. So these two women, they're, they don't even know each other, but they both work at the same fucking school but never knew it, but they have only only fans memberships, okay? And they're making buku money doing that, and they're, they're all over the fucking news a couple weeks ago. And, you know, the one said, well, listen, what do you accept? With, with, you know, I, I take waste all my time, want to teach children, and I can't even teach them because when they give it, they ain't worth a shit, so I had to show my body to sell myself like a prostitute to make any money. And she's right. She is right. The educators, they don't, they're not, they can't. Yeah, but Ron, they, they but, can't Ron, but Ron, but Ron, you're, you're does that about. mean that everybody has to give, give in, though? Everybody has to give in to the, the evil and just go, start turning and say, yeah, heck with it, anarchy. You know, well, how, how about endure no, a little bit? Well, you know, know, how about endure? Well, that's, but, but that's what's going to happen. It, it, they've got, there's the deal. They're not getting enough for what they do, okay? So people are going to think it's something alternative. Okay, so anarchy, that could be. That could very well be. But I think it's going to wind up being a complete collapse of the society side by itself. It's already there. We're going into a financial collapse right now, and that's going to be the key to the failure. That's, I mean, I've been this for 14 years. Now I explain to people, this failure is coming. We're going to go digital. Everybody looks at me like that's out of my fucking mind. Now look what's happening. The better, the better shit's on. It's going digital now. Here we go. They're going to collapse. We yeah, five months. Bank five months. Five months. A couple days ago. We had a couple more banks just yeah. closed up, okay? So yeah. it's getting crazy. you got companies. Cutting workers down. Here's the deal. One, it's too expensive to fucking live anymore. 
By springtime, we're going fully digital. That's what's been told already, by, and that's what I got right. from my well, people the, already. The I've been 99% but, right when I say something on this podcast. Yep. Absolutely. You too, brother. I guarantee it. I guarantee and I'll tell you, it. And that, that will be just as bad as a lockdown because that actually that will be worse than lockdown because they're going to Oh, yeah. Just the lockdown ain't going to be nothing bad. What's this going to do? What you this do? Is what you're you know, your three-minute cities or whatever they call them? Yeah. You're no more hustling. You know, no nope. more hustling. Nope. No more hustling. Nope. They keep track of nope. everything you have. Everything. Minute, and you will pay your bill. Wait. Joe, let's not call it hustling. Let's call it bartering. No more well, that will yeah. happen. That will happen, right? But I was on the air one night. This is about a year ago. And I, I I told everybody on on my show listening. I said, you know what? I just wrote a story in my head, folks. And I want you to listen to the story. I just wrote it in my head, for you, folks. And I want you to listen clearly. What the hell is this going to happen? Nobody's going to know. Little Johnny came to my house one day and he said, Brian, I'll cut your grass for five dollars. Said, cool. So Johnny cuts my grass. Did a great job. Comes to my door, knocks on it, gives me. I get paid best. Yeah. So I hand him my card, he swipes it on his phone, he's got to fly a bus down the road, he goes. And he's hot, it's a hot day, so no August, he's pushing his lumber down the road, he sees a convenience store. And has a flashing neon sign that says cold soda, ice cold soda. So Johnny pushes the lawnmower up towards the door, and he walks inside, he looks in the coolers, finds the soda for $1.25. So he sticks it on the counter, gives Dee his card, and Dee's swiping, he says, well, Johnny, you have insufficient funds. And Johnny goes, what do you mean? I just made five bucks down at Ron's house. And I put, he goes, I don't understand this. He goes, well, Johnny, you don't understand how this works, do you? No, I don't get it. He goes, well, you, when you got the money from Ron, when it transferred from Ron's account to your account, the government automatically kicked in and took out for income tax, FDIC, Social Security, everything's all income tax set up, okay? When you gave that five bucks came before it got to you, the government got to cut out of it first, okay? He goes, well, Johnny, what's the problem? He goes, well, you don't have, you have insufficient funds, you have enough money to buy. Somebody goes, well, what is my balance? He goes, your balance is all 25 and Johnny goes, well, okay, that's enough for buying Somebody says, no, Johnny. You ain't got the money to pay the tax on. That's the that's reality. <laughs> that's but that's what it's yeah. going to be. Nobody, think, hey, you know, it, it's it's fucking serious. And a lot of people, you know, like Mike, you always say, "Yeah, Ron, what about your story you just mentioned? Bring it up." But it's stuck to it. You know, you're stuck with it. You know, because that's the reality you're going to face. They're going to take whatever you have a fucking yard sale. I don't give a shit what it is. Work on your neighbor's car, or whatever. And anytime a money transfer is your first paycheck from your real job, then you get your first paycheck and you thought, man, I made 200 bucks this week or $125 or I was through my pay. Right. And I thought, hell yeah. yes. And I, my dad looked at me and he goes, well, there's your check, kiddo. And I go, well, that ain't right. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, welcome to the seeing the man. You're going to pay the man yeah. now. And I said, who's the oh, man? Yeah. Who is this? Hey, Trivia. you fucking Well, I shouldn't pay my taxes on my property. Okay, I, I have 12 properties in Missouri, okay, and I wouldn't pay my taxes on them, which is cheap. Believe me, it's cheaper a lot of space. I mean, big time. Anyway, it costs about $1,300 some dollars. That's my, my house, well, one of my houses, and then a uh, couple of my cars. Then I have another one. It's a little lower than about 900 because I own another property, but I own a lot of equipment, you know, so they, they help me for the equipment and the trucks and all that shit. Now, it used to be... My was about five thousand dollars. Usually, I sold all my big equipment. I got rid of the big toys, so that brought it down way down low. So you know, but it, it ain't bad. This ain't bad compared. I used to live in Illinois. I used to work for Illinois Power Company. Okay, in back in the fucking early nineties. But anyway, the tax on the house I had over there was a three bedroom ranch and a fucking subdivision, which that was a mistake. There's a three-bedroom ranch home on a 150-foot lot by 100-foot lot, okay, 150 by 100, okay? 
The taxes on that motherfucker was $5,500 a year. Period. We ain't talking about the truck and my car and the boat either. I mean, I didn't have a big bunch of machinery like I do now, you know, equipment, you know, tractors and all that kind of shit. But anyway, it's so cheaper to live in Missouri for now. For now, you know. They're going to keep piling taxes. That's what they do every year. Every fucking city, he's piling no tax, no tax, no tax, no tax. Now, here's what's going on. You see why these motherfuckers ain't going to jail no more? It's because the state ain't getting no money from the federal government. They're not getting enough money to house these inmates anymore. The cost of housing the inmate costs more to get to the same old day price. You see what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of states. At least then you got the, you know, no bail systems. That's the libtards want to really piss you off even more. And they're doing a fine job of it. They really are pissing people off. Uh, but, it's, you know, we have no the structure. They're dismantling the structure. They want us to go off so we can start killing each other off for, for them. That's what they want. They want us to kill each other for them. Not they do it. So, well, we didn't do it. That's, that will be the whole fucking hole. We didn't do it. You did it. You killed all these people off. That's what we did. You know, so, anyway, so we did not hurt. We're happier now. Because they can't afford We're a bankrupt country. Why are we under bankrupt? We've been bankrupt for a long fucking time. And they keep raising the debt ceiling? Where are we going to come money to pay this? The debt's so high, there's no way in hell we can ever pay it off. No way. Ever. They were selling out. We're selling out. They're selling us out. They're selling us out. Look at Biden. Look what he's selling. He's selling us out. And many others. He ain't the only one. He's got a lot of friends that are involved. They sold us out. I mean, how much does the Chinese own here in this country? How much of the land? Farmland, and land itself do they own? What does that mean? You know, yeah. Yeah. nobody cares. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody's gonna stand up because everybody's too much of a fucking pussy to do anything. You know, they want to take away your gun. They don't want you to be able to fight. They don't want you to be able to fight. That's the least they want. They want to weaken you. Well, that's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about, to be honest with you, is everybody laying down, and then they're stamping me with the, with uh, taking my, you know, and, and I'm stuck in this before I get the heck out of here. You know, with, you know the good Lord is coming back, great. You know, but I don't want to be stuck here but, but in tyranny, though, in the meantime. Where are you going to go? You know, where are you going to fucking go? Where are you exactly. going to go, Nowhere. There's nowhere I can go. This, this is going to be worldwide. <laughs> this is going to be a worldwide collapse. Earth. Worldwide collapse. Think of World War's bad ain't shit compared to a collapse. That independent states, independent states, if we have people, listen, this is why this election is so important. If we can get independent states, sovereign states, to, to, to make legislation, to print their own currency and bartering system, we can escape the national system. Now, I'm not saying we have to go from the union and break away from the union, but if we can get away from the, the national currency, then there's a chance. But there's no legislation on any state's books right now to have their own currency. It's actually against the law. It's actually against it. Yeah. Only, only Congress can do it. But, if you can, but states can change it. States can change it, though. You know? Right. And that would so be our only say, hope. It's their law. It's their law. Yeah. It ain't yours. I know. I know. And that's the sad part about it, man. It, 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 rough reality. You know, I have grandchildren. You know, you always don't want, you want them to have the best lot of stuff like that. But I, my two sons are not paying attention to shit. They're all fucked dead. You know what you're saying? Well, you know, um, I've seen them come a long way in this world. You know, I'm pretty successful in what I've done in my life. But, you know, I had opportunities. Now, you don't have them no more. Them things no longer exist, you know. And, you know, no, I've I I had, yeah. had some offers. I just, I just got back from Los Angeles, you know, a couple of days ago. You know, I went and played with a band. And I was up in Chicago the week before I played with another band. And it, the, the music scene is not the same as it used to be. All, I mean, all these one, uh, these uh, 
memorial bands, I call them, like memorials. You know, you know, yeah, the bands are gone. They don't exist anymore. You can't be them. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of them popping up because music sucks anymore. It really does. You know, a tribute band is about the only thing that's worth the fuck to listen to anymore. It's sad. Yeah. In my industry, in my world, where, where'd you man, play at, Ron? Ron, where, Ron, where'd you play at? In Los Angeles, I was. I was yeah, in where? Studio. I was in a studio. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was in a private studio. I was, I was recording the band. It's a tribute band to the Babies. Do you remember the Babies? Really? No. Yeah, you remember the band <laughs> the Babies? Yeah, see, that's no. what I said. So I told this guy. He tried to get me to come in as a permanent, you know, player. And I said, dude, you know, the babies, you know, John Waite was good. I mean, I get that. I love you. I love, I love the babies. I do. I love their songs. But oh, John Waite? I remember John Waite. Yeah, I remember John Waite. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's by himself in the 80s, you know. That, he's by himself. But he, he's the original singer of the babies. That was before he became John Waite. Kind of thing. I mean, still oh, John Waite. Oh, wow. Me. But, but just look up the yeah. babies, you know. Um, yeah, every yeah. time I think of you, shit like that. Uh, but yeah. anyway, that, but anyway, when I was up in Chicago, was another tribute band, you know. So it's you know, I'm doing getting some studio work, but I just don't, you know, I don't want to do it anymore. I just don't want to, you know. And they don't like my price. Yeah. Oh, I'm like in California, they sure don't like my fucking price. But that's just the way it is. If you want me, <laughs> motherfucker, you gotta pay me. That's just the way it is. Yeah. It ain't cheap. I'm not yeah. cheap. You know, I've been doing this shit for forty fucking years now. Uh, uh-uh. uh, no more cheapness. So, yeah. you know, I name my price, and they don't want it. Fuck, you don't call me. But they do. Mm-hmm. They do, you know, because I'm no rocker. I know these songs. I know all of them, you know. I'm like a walking fucking library of old music. And, you know, it's cool, but, you know, that's old music on the show. The old Ted Nugent. The old Ted Nugent. Oh, I can do, I can do Teddy. Absolutely. Uncle Ted, absolutely. That draft out motherfucker, yeah, I can play Nugent. But, you know, he's draft out. I met him once. You know, I, met him. I met Ted Nugent once at a gun yeah. rally. I've met him a few times, but he, yeah, he's a guy, he's a he's a draft dodger. He did, yeah, he sure did. Kind of sad, you know. Hell of a musician, hell of a guy, you know. But he wasn't going to go in a service man. He wasn't going in the Vietnam. Fuck you. That's where he said, I can't blame him for the way, but it's the way he did it. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know he got he yeah. Did took a bath no more. Got real fucking nasty and retracted, retarded. And, <laughs> he took a lot of heat for that. Yeah, 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 he did. But then he became a sheriff in Michigan and all that shit too, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. But yeah, but all them, know, but, all them people though from that generation, like you just said, getting older, man. Yeah. I'm now, I'm a generation before right. you. So, you know, so, so, but I'm just saying that all these generations, right. they're getting older, they're gone. The greatest generation of World right. War II, they're done. They're all done, man. What's it, like a couple thousand right. of them left, if, if, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was born in the 60s, so, you know, right during Vietnam, actually. So, you know, I got yeah. around my nuts. Sarge, you're up there too, right, Sarge? You were, you served in the uh, Vietnam. What year did you serve, Sarge? 69? Where'd he go? Sarge! Well, he was there. <laughs> Tape, you still there? Yeah, I still got a board. I, I see a bunch of private numbers, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, got, I, I got them, uh, yeah, I got the, you know, the uh, the trolls still patrolling around, <laughs> wanting to get well, in here. Well, they're about to attack you tonight, huh? <laughs> yeah, they, want, they, want, they wanted a piece of the show tonight. They went, Tave, you still there? Yeah. 
Sorry, see. Sarge. Wait a minute. Oh, whoa, whoa. I lost it. I lost it. Hang on. I lost it. I think I, I, think I lost everything. Yep. The show's got disconnected, yeah. guys. Just me and you. Ain't that crazy? No, is, I'm is here. Just me and you? Oh, there's Boyd. Okay. There's Boyd. I'm here. Everybody's trying to take a nap. Don't want to listen to me. Shout y'all fuckers are. Old bastards. Swear to God. Yeah, hang on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, the show is still on. No, I'm sorry. The show, we got we got uh, seven callers. We got seven callers still. Okay. Sarge, Sarge gone. Sarge left. He went. To, I still got Dr. Ventura on here. I still got Cave, right? Cave. I still got the troll. You want me to see what, what the troll is doing? Let's see. Let's unmute yeah, the troll. Bring him on. Bring him on. Fuck it, right. Let me hear Go ahead, somebody. 773. <laughs> Go ahead, 773. No, he's not. He doesn't want to talk. <laughs> he has been silent. I know that's one of them. That's, him. that's one of them. What do you mean it's fucking? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can't handle the pressure. Oh, no, Ron. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who the private caller is. I don't know who that is. I'm, I, it might be John Doe, so I'll leave him muted. You know, I don't know. But uh, Sarge left. He went to Chewbacca show. Let's go crash Chewbacca show. There you go. What do you, what do you say, you everybody? All right. Yeah, he's got so one going. Why don't we all go head over there and, get, and start talking shit like he does over here, huh? You know? All right. All right. Somebody, somebody, some, hey, somebody put what? that link in the uh, put that link in the chat room because I'm not uh, following him, so I don't know how to get to him. He's all right, hang on. Let me try to get it. Yeah, he's on block talk. Yeah, hang on. I'll try to. Yeah, hang on. I'm gonna try to get it. I'm gonna try to get it for you. Oh, if I click on if I click on it, my 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 chat room will shut off. Damn, man. Yeah, hang on. Yeah. Some, can somebody else find it? Let me see. Hang on. Let me see if I can get the what phone it, number. What is it called? Shabaka. Here's it. Uh, Shabaka's Black Experience Enhanced. I see. If I click on it, it'll shut my chat room off. If I get wait, if I open up another browser, it won't. Hang on. Like yeah. If unless you could do it, Ron. Uh, I'm looking for it. Yeah, but I'm out. I'm out of the chat room now. I can't get back in. Oh, uh, son of a bitch! Uh, and you see, see, that's what happens. Hey, man. Ron, hang on. I... Yeah, I'm looking for it on the listing. I'll get it. I'll get it for him. I'll I'll, I'll recite the number off here at least. The phone. I, I you got it. it? All right. It's on, it's on Blog Talk. It's on the second page, and it says what hey. justice looks like in 2023. Yep, hey, hang on, I'm going to get it. Okay. Hey, Ron, yeah. put that in the yeah. chat. Put that in either the core chat I can't or... go to the chat. One... Okay, yeah. I'll go to core. Yeah, yeah. One, of, one of our messengers. All right. Okay. Hey, hey. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And I'm one of the messengers, he said. Hang on, you want the phone number? I got the phone number, 516-418-5996. Cave, you go over there too, man. I don't know if Cave is still on or not. You got it? We got it, uh, Lloyd? Yeah, I got it. Hey, not yet. I'm you, just filling the Facebook up. All okay. right, hang on. Let me see if I, I... I might be able to get back over to Blog Talk. Hang on. Oh, let's see if my chat room got disconnected. Ah, my damn chat room got disconnected. Damn. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, right, no, boy, I, got I, I got it. 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 Hang on. I'll put it in the chat yes. right now. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's the phone number. There's the phone number. Okay. Hang on. I, I could do it. All right. And then, hang on, I'll try to get you to, I'll try to get you to chat room too. Hang on. I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. Hang on. Let's see here. Come on. 
There we go. Yeah, I got it. Here we go. All right. Just for you. There you go. There it is. There it is. You got it? Five one okay, six four one eight five nine nine six. There you go. Yep. All right, boys got it. Here we go. All right, I'm gonna head over there. I'm gonna tell Tave a messenger. I'll tell Tave a messenger. Yeah, what's the fuck with him? Why not? All right, guys, I'm gonna be over here, man. Room. All right, see you there. Yeah, I'm I'll, I'll head over there. Yeah. <laughs> 